Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Shepard. I'm joined by Monica Padman. Hello. Hello. We are now zero degrees of separation. I know. That's exciting. I know. This is a wildly popular game people play. It is. We didn't even bring it up in the episode. I know. Originally, I was nervous to even bring it up, but then I found out he's embraced it. At yeah. first, it drove him nuts, I think, but yeah. then he really has learned to embrace it. Yeah, which I think is... Uh, the right call. Yes. <laughs> yes. Kevin Bacon. Oh, did this guy make me want to do everything when I was a kid. Oh, I just thought he was the coolest human being on the planet. I still think he's the coolest human being on the planet. He's very cool. But my God, fuck, I saw him in Footloose. I'm like, I want to move to a small town and dance. Mm -hmm. I saw him in that bicycle movie. I want to be a bicycle messenger. Anything he did, I wanted to do it. Tremors, sleepers, not sleepers. Mystic River, Apollo 13, of course, City on the Hill on Showtime. And he has a new movie out on Peacock right now called They, Them. It was Really awesome to get to sit down with such a hero, Kevin Bacon. Legend. Legend. And now we're zero degrees. Please enjoy Kevin Bacon. We are supported by Celebrity Cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity Cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day, and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy, and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all-new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow-roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. He's an heard the show we will not oh be of course i haven't you have. oh my god i love it oh, oh are you kidding i heard the show come it's on so nice. come on you guys are great and you're a great pairing that's really <laughs> we nice. are funny pairing aren't we <laughs> one big one small one white one brown <laughs> one old one young yeah very youthful we're on the other side of many spectrums uh, sure are. your teeth are so shiny oh, mine are dim thank you that's the arm and hammer what toothpaste do you use will you tell us tom's that's a popular one I can't get behind that. Why? Look, there's a zone for organic stuff. I believe that. Mm -hmm. We have an organics diaper company. That's right. great. I want that on little babies. <laughs> my dish soap, I want it to have chemicals. <laughs> and I want my toothpaste to have some bleach and shit. I want it to whiten my teeth. You mm. know what I'm saying? I don't think that's much about it. Kira gets it, and that's what I stick And your teeth mouth. are great. They, 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 look, they look, look okay. They do look they I don't have, good. I don't have shit in there. They look great. Because I did have a turkey sandwich earlier, <laughs> so might still be living in there. No. It's too early to ask this, but yeah, what is your diet? Because you've stayed thin your whole life, which is an accomplishment you might not see as an accomplishment, but it is. I mean, I think it's everything in moderation. I'm not a vegan, but I don't eat 
meat every day. It's just a boring, healthy diet. I will say this, that I don't have too much of a sweet tooth. Mm, that helps. I'm a crunchy, salty, yeah. spicy mm. guy. What's your favorite potato chip? I'll give you three, by the way. I don't want to stress you out. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. And I recently only came to this, it's really funny because you go, only in the last probably 30 years. <laughs> and that is salt and vinegar, which Ooh, I didn't grow oh, up wow. like, like, and I know it's not oh, a brand, but I didn't grow so up good. with it. But to me, that's got all the major food groups. It Couldn't does. agree with you more. In fact, Rob, they might even be in one of those doors. I did a Google search of what is the vinegariest mm. salt and vinegar chip. Oh, really? Oh, what is it? Because I want the most vinegary. Sure, I sure. want a lot tart. of bite. I don't know if I'd say tart. Would you say vinegar is tart? Okay. Do you yeah, agree with that? that? Like yeah, not tart. to put you on a spot. I think that's tart. <laughs> it, but that's kind of comes from the idea of putting vinegar on French fries. Is that an English thing? I think it is. There's a name for that sauce they got always on the on the table in England. What the fuck's the name of that sauce? And it's vinegar. And it's right. for fish and chips. Mm. Right. I'll remember it by the end of this interview. Anyways, I did a big search. I ordered the top three. There was a winner. I The name escapes me now, unfortunately. Was it like Vicky's? Yeah, that's good. I didn't know we were going to get quite so deep. You're throwing me <laughs> off because I thought we were going to say a little bit more surface, but I'm going to roll. We okay, good. Vulnerable. This is the Machiavellian technique. So you'll be in the middle of talking about the validity of <laughs> right. um, cheddar and, like, and sour how you cream. Feel about your father. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Your father, the architect, he wanted to design you, didn't he? He wanted to construct you. How the fuck did you know that? <laughs> Well, you and I both are liberated in the fact that our fathers have passed. So we can kind of talk however we'd like on them. That's true. But we're going to earmark that. <laughs> Way more important <laughs> Good is Easter chips. egg, though. Have you ever augmented and put vinegar on top? I have not done that, but I am going to do it as soon as I get home. Okay. <laughs> because great, here's great, the great. thing. You should be able to just say, well, I've just got a regular chip. But hell, I can put more That's salt and true. more vinegar on That's these bad right. boys. These aren't proprietary substances. This is dime no, a dozen. But what about soggy factor? You'd have to eat them very quickly. Yeah. So fast. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to jump right on it. All right, report back. Ideally, you would have it in like a hairspray bottle. Man. Fuck. Oh, that right? is such a good idea. Wow. And even just pop the chips and then... Oh my God, oh my you God. and I need to make a date. <laughs> you were on Hot Ones, right? This feels like it could be like I a was, Hot yeah. Ones oh, episode. Wow. Was, How'd yeah. you do at Hot Ones? Well, I loved it. I ate them all. I got through it all. I was trying to really put my finger on it. And what it is, is it starts to feel a little druggy. Mm. Like when you get to the really hot stuff, the combination of like your blood pressure oh God. and also uh, soul searching <laughs> for the answer to these questions. It's a little trippy. Plus, there's the most awesome gift box of everything that you've tasted. And since I do like spicy food, they're now spread out around the house. So that's cool. I think it's the funnest interview I've ever done other than like Stern. It's a party to go. He's a great interviewer. It's not salt and vinegar chips, but it is really (laughs) obscure. Yeah. Uh Back to the drug thing. You know, we learned this recently about cutters. A lot of cutters, your body does release at that point. It's opiate. I wonder if when we're in the throes of that heat, panic that we are getting a little bit of our own opiate mm. to soothe us adrenaline so you can jump out of a fucking plane or you can yeah. just find out about like a secret yeah. of footloose some behind the scenes <laughs> truth about footloose okay this is a thing that we have to do unfortunately it often goes wrong which is why it's kind of fun do you remember the time that we oh boy met well i do remember meeting you guys on hillhurst just walking up the street. So that's great because I don't remember that one. Oh, you don't remember that which one? Which okay. shocks me <laughs> to no end. Uh, you said something like, 
I liked you in Yellowstone or something like that. I did and not do I that. I said, no, that's the wrong Kevin. <laughs> I did not Dad. do that. You're, I did not do that. You're talking about I a different not, no, Kevin. No, no, no. As you will learn shortly, I am a Kevin Bacon super fan. Okay. You and I presented at the uh, Country Music Awards oh, thing. That's right. I and remember so, that. And now. we had like, you know, there's a lot of down awkward time. And maybe even your brother that was My there. Brother's I, probably I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So the three of us, what I immediately was overwhelmed with was you're so fucking normal. Sure. And it was very chill. I like and I that. left thinking like, oh Bacon's a stud. He's just like a real dude. I do remember it now. But it's great because it was like one to one. Yeah. You forgot one, I forgot one. There you go. The bumping on the street's more memorable, especially because then Kira's there too. Now you're greater than the sum of your parts. Yeah. And I think we just chatted about like the neighborhood or something right. like that. Just four celebrities having a stop. That's <laughs> <laughs> like when we were at Mess Hall. Who came in? Terry Crews. Yes. Dax and Terry, I guess, forgot they were celebrities and like stood up and they're huge <laughs> and they're like hugging and making all this noise. And I was like, oh my God, everyone in this restaurant is now tuned in and staring. Yeah, I was unaware of I know, it. I was like, like, oh my God, Terry, I love Terry. We did Idiocracy together. I hadn't seen him in a while. You know what I didn't know? And this is so crazy that you just bring up Terry because I was Googling today athletes who act. And I didn't realize that he had been a professional football player. I want to say like seven years. I would never like have six. known that from looking at him. Um, <laughs> it's a big shock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You thought he was an equestrian. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> guess I was kind of thinking about the fact that sometimes people do one thing well and they can do something else great. Yeah. Yes. Do you watch Euphoria by chance? Love it. Oh, you have a weird connection as well because that's Barry's son. That's right. Yeah. In some weird way, you got to be proud Who of that. Who was not alive yet when we made Diner, but probably was when we made Sleepers. Barry is in the very, very, very short list of directors who've hired me twice. And the, <laughs> se <laughs> the second time was Sleepers, and I think probably Sam was alive then. Yeah. Children of actors, children of directors, the stress of it, when they succeed, to me, it's twice as impressive. I didn't know this until today researching you, but that your daughter is the lead of As We See It, which is a Jason Kadem show. I've seen it. I loved her. I had no clue that was your daughter. Yeah. When the children of successful people are actually good and talented, I feel like it's harder than it was for you or I to pursue this. I think that everyone's journey is going to be different. Some people would look at it and say, first, have you got a built-in in into the industry? Some people believe that there's a DNA component. On the other hand, when you have parents who are successful at doing one thing, there's a definite comparison mm -hmm. thing yes. that's going to happen. That's going to be its own hurdle. So it's kind of like apples and oranges. Every journey to become a working, creative person is a fucking struggle. You can maybe get some doors open, but keeping those doors open and not getting them shut in your face at some point is going to be hard. I agree with you. I even look at my own children. I was walking with my seven-year-old the other day and she made a joke. I laughed. She, she pointed me up here. I knocked <laughs> on the wrong door. <laughs> oh, did she? Yeah, she came out and said, hi. The you, tall, blonde, skinny one or the short? She looked like she was about seven. I don't know. I'm past the point where I can age yes. a kid. Mine are 32 and 30. It is a skill. I can do it currently. A parlor trick. Well, now. When I meet little kids, I'll go like, is. are you five? Her. How old do I think she is? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd say. First um, of all, does she look familiar to you? Uh, no. <laughs> That's Kira. <laughs> We had, no, no, that's Monica. We do that for <laughs> each guest. Can you imagine? That would be the trippiest thing is to like get people's spouses. We call weeks ahead of time and then we got a photo of her and then we had it painted. Well, first off, she's adorable. Ah, oh, cutest baby of all time. She's probably, I'd say 
four. Okay, this is great. It is commonly believed that Indian babies look older because <laughs> look mom, how fucking thick her eyebrows are. That's yeah. what's misleading. She's got like a <laughs> full grown hair. woman's eyebrows. Uh-huh. But no, she's like a fucking one and a half year old baby. <laughs> yeah. there. But I thought <laughs> I was four too. When uh, I saw that picture, I was like, oh no, I'm like four years old. And I'm like, and no, this. you're a baby. Yeah, but then my mom said Dax was right. Oh my gosh, that's wild. All right. <laughs> we got a lot of threads going. So I'm walking with my seven year old. She makes a joke, I laugh. She makes a joke. A second time, like a minute later, and I don't laugh. And she said, I went back to the well too many times, didn't I? And I was like, what seven-year-old on planet Earth knows that other than the child of two comedians, right? So in that way, yes, they kind of have an awareness of how the sausage is made. It would take you years to learn. That given, I don't find that the true struggle in life is the struggle with the outside as much as the internal one. So that's why I say I'm more impressed because to start off going, well, fuck, if I do anything less than this guy who's been in 150 movies and is known globally, I'll be a failure. Most people don't have that when they start off in this business. If I had gotten on a commercial, I would have blown away everyone in my family. No one had ever been on TV. (laughs) And I'd say for Sam, too, his father's a brilliant fucking director. Yeah, 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 yeah. The thing is, is that there was a road to euphoria. You know, Sam worked, he put in the time. And really, like everything else, that's what you need. You need to put in the time. And that's what Sosie did. Once she decided she wanted to do it, she started doing little things short after short after short and studying and, you know, all the things that you got to do. Yeah, she's doing great. Okay, so back to Euphoria. This season, I was completely overwhelmed with the young man that's kind of in the love triangle. He's got a little tattoo by his eye. I don't know his name, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. He ends up singing to her. And I'm like, this kid is like a revelation. He's so natural and comfortable. It's insane. And then I come to find out that's the first time he's ever acted. He's a musician. So when I see that, I have like two thoughts. I'm like, God damn it. Our job shouldn't be so easy to do immediately. (laughs) Right. And at the same time, I don't feel it. I'm just excited by the fact that someone could be great at a lot of things. Yeah. It's a peculiar sensation, I think. Oh, dude in the NFL is like one of the funniest guys. It doesn't really matter how you get to the performance. You can sell somebody short by saying, well, he's just a musician and he opened up his mouth and he was good. I don't really buy it. But you know what? It doesn't really matter if the person is being compelling and watchable and all those things. People come to this from different roads. Harrison Ford was a carpenter. He's in there like fixing up the casting area, yeah. <laughs> which seems yeah. impossible. If anybody can keep getting the gig, hats off to him. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Okay. Now, here's where I fillet you. Okay. I'm curious When you think of all the many reasons that Footloose was such a phenomena, I can tell you that for my brother and I, the most impactful thing of that movie was the fact that you were with your single mother moving somewhere. I think that was the first time we saw ourselves. Hmm, That's so interesting. I've never heard anybody have that reaction to the movie. They weren't doing that a ton. I think Daniel's son and Karate Kid as well, maybe. Uh I certainly at the time didn't think to myself, oh, this is a groundbreaking kind of thing. Diane Weiss played my mother. It was great to play those scenes with her. She's such a fantastic performer. And people think it's a pop movie, which is what it was, and the angry dancing and all the goofy shit about it, and tractor races and shit like that. Nothing goofy about a tractor race <laughs> in my <laughs> world. Watch but, your mouth. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Treading That's on thin ice. Shit there, yeah. <laughs> but, but a couple of international harvesters <laughs> pointed at one another. <laughs> that was actually really fun to shoot, by the way. I'm I mean, sure. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> but on the other hand, there's a enough family and personal stuff 
threaded into that movie which is why it's had some hang time, I think. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You see this in other movies. Like a movie like Elf, up to that point, Will Ferrell's had medium success. That's the first movie. It's like a $180 million blockbuster. Why? Because it was really grounded in some nice themes. Favreau took the time to make it actually a good movie on top of its shtick or a device. John Hughes had that ability to take these things that sort of on the surface were, yeah, here we are, you know, kind of yes. things. And casting people like John Candy, who was kind of thought of as like maybe a character thing, but it was so human and so touching. That's why all this stuff holds up, even like Home Alone. Again, okay, this is a pretty simple concept. A kid gets left home. Why is that movie still so fantastic? I watch it with my kids. It's all the John Hughes stuff in it. Stranger Things has the Kate Bush song, which because they put it in Stranger Things, it went back up the charts from when it had come out, like in the 80s or 90s. And one of the last scenes in She's Having a Baby, which is a John Hughes movie that, yeah. that I did, used a Kate Bush song. I really don't go back and look at the movies. I mean, I do if there's an absolute reason why I have to. A legal reason. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at the Kate Bush song in the end of She's Having a Baby, and the filmmaking is so good. And the use of that song, which was not a giant hit at the time, but his way to come into the industry in these pretty broad teen comedies and stuff and then wind it into this very, very personal stuff. And what actually happened, I was also in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. The reason that was was because I had just finished She's Having a Baby and I said to John Hughes, you're doing this movie, I'll do anything. Make me an extra. And so he put that silly scene where I'm racing Steve yeah, Martin yeah, yeah. for a cab. And then what happened was Paramount switched the uh, order. Oh, right? so it looks like you did so good yeah. racing the cab. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Let's just say, John Hughes, across the board, is music stuff. Great. It's so he, significant. He even had a label, I think, for a while. He was really, really into music. He used to always bring me cuts of new bands. He was very into discovering new acts. He was my introduction into Simple Minds, which I Not became so obsessed much, right? with, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Psychedelic Furs. I mean, the soundtrack for Breakfast Club, you can't top it. Yeah. We had a relatively short relationship but a very close one part of the reason was that i was playing him the movie was by far the most personal movie that he'd ever made we spent a ton of time together every single weekend while we were making the movie i had just become recently single and had no real connections to anything i wasn't married i didn't have kids living in a suitcase i mean and then that continued forever but basically he wanted me and i was down for almost shadowing him yeah. and he was one of those guys where it was tough i would say on the crew because we'd shoot 12 hours easy he drank a lot of coffee and <laughs> would say you know what we could do mm -hmm. and then we would start like riffing on stuff wow. uh -huh. and shooting things. When we started shooting digitally, people would start saying, do that, go back, say that again. Yeah. You could learn how to live in between life and the character as one sort of piece. To me, that's the most creative place to work. And John would do that with film. He'd put these thousand foot mags on the thing and just say, yeah, keep rolling. And it was costing Paramount <laughs> so much right. money because he was just burning through film. But he loved the movie so much and it shit the bed. This is one of those weird things like Shawshank Redemption yeah. where people think Shawshank was a hit 
and it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't? I didn't know that. You couldn't imagine that that's the case. And I can't imagine that she's having a baby. It wasn't. It really didn't. I had some theories about it. Of course, John gave me a lot of theories about it. But <laughs> <laughs> when they flipped it, Plain Strange Mom was a giant hit. And it was another really, really funny kind of thing. And She's Having a Baby was sad and had some goofy shit in it, but it was a very, very personal movie. A lot of critics felt that he should stay in his lane. And it broke his heart. He was a sensitive dude. Very right? sensitive yeah. dude. So in a funny kind of way, the failure of the movie, we kind of lost touch. I've had that. It's weird to be the face of something for somebody that they killed themselves for that didn't work. Yeah. Now we stayed close, but I will say, I think we would have had a different, like so I did this movie Zathura that Favreau directed and it didn't do well. I always in the back of my mind is like, am I the reason that that, you know, everything he's done has worked except for the I was <laughs> in. So I think maybe I, mean, I felt I, the same thing about John. I was yes. like, okay, yeah, oh, great. I got to be in the one that, <laughs> the flusher. Wait, what did he direct after that movie? Well, he directed Plane Trains and Automobiles after she's having a baby. And then after that one, I forget. Did he go probably back to his probably. standard? Yeah. Not only did he write 20 movies that were made, there's a log of movies he wrote that no one ever Under made. Under pseudonyms, too. Yeah. He's the R.L. Stein of We Goosebumps. just had R.L. Yeah, Stein. Okay. Good? Yeah, 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 we oh. just had it. It was, was super interesting. It was really interesting. <laughs> My son had a real R.L. Stein run for a while. I read a lot of R.L. Stein. He's written 350 books or something. He was wow. writing a book every four days during the that period. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes. I can't wrap my head around it. Okay. The Footloose thing for me was just so awesome. My brother and I were just so punk rock. You were vaguely punk rock. I don't know who you were as a person. Who were you at that time? Well, interestingly, I was 24 and I was playing a 17 year old. So <laughs> sure. my ride along was to enroll myself as an exchange student in the high school in Provo, Utah. No, really? no, no, no. No, it's a true story. I was nervous about pulling off being a 17 year old high school student. And so I thought, well, if I'm nervous about it, I should try to do this. Only an actor could get this pulled off. Can you imagine if some like <laughs> structural engineer is like, I need to go to high school. I'm 24. Let me in your yeah, high school like run you, your young children. You yeah, right. perv, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what that didn't even talking? occur to me. But yeah, the production called up. The only person that knew was the principal of the school. No. None of the 21 knew. Jump Street. Yeah, none of the teachers knew. <gasps> I go in and they introduce me. I made the guy from Philadelphia because that's where I was from. I didn't, if in case they were going to ask questions or something yeah. like that. I had this kind of terrifying day. My parents did not move around. So I really was an East Coast urban kid. I grew up right in the middle of Philadelphia. When I was 17, I moved right to the middle of Manhattan. So to be a fish out of water in a small country. In this case, it was also a very heavily Mormon community. Um, you must have been the most exotic thing that ever happened. I was happened. exotic. Yes. I was very exotic. Yes. My hair through much of those years was all based on whatever Sting happened to be doing. Okay, perfect role model. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I added men at work and the police to the script because there was a scene in the script as great as Dean Pitchford, the writer, was. He was sometimes a little bit out of touch with what was actually hip. So he had me talking to the Hicks going, well, have you ever heard of the Stones and the Beatles? I was like, wait a second. The assumption being that all they would listen to would be Hank Williams and George Jones. So I said, how about the police and men at work? Some new wave. Vaguely, you could say gay music back then. <laughs> Not the police. I'm saying new wave bands would have been threatening in rural America. Yes. A lot of those bands had a more metrosexual mm -hmm. kind of vibe, definitely. And another interesting thing about that was they said, let's have a scene where your mom tells you that your first day of school, you should put a tie on. And I said, putting a tie on is cool. 
Yeah, oh, it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah, opposite yeah. now. Right. You know what I mean? During yeah. that new wave thing, the Pretenders and Blondie, everyone's wearing a skinny tie. That was like a thing. I switched in the script so that I wore the tie and the mother says, are you going to wear that tie? And I'm like, yeah. And then when I went into the school itself, I actually wore a tie. It actually was strangely informative. When I walked in, I had had this idea that a guy like me raised in an urban kind of situation comes to a country school He's going to walk down the hall like a badass, like, don't fuck with me. With the second I walked in there, it was the complete opposite. I was like, holy fuck, I'm going to watch my ass. These guys are so much bigger than me. They've done some real manual labor in their yeah, life. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Shit. And they right away don't like me. Because the all, girls are all interested They're in giggling, yes, exactly, yes. right? Yes. Yes. It was so much like the movie because a guy came up to me who was a lot like the Chris Penn character, Willard, and kind of said, well, don't worry about that, man. I got you. And he oh, kind of befriended me. I was only there for one day. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would kill to interview somebody who actually Went was, yes, it was like, oh yeah, this one dude came in. <laughs> he must have hated it. He only did a day. <laughs> <laughs> My mind was off to the races. You were there for like a month or something. Yeah. And I was like, no, how no, are you going to uphold all this dishonesty with like, especially no. the kid who's nice to you? It's like, don't worry. I mm -hmm. got you and you're like, oh, no, I'm a lion of this dude. Yeah. I'm fucking 41 years old. <laughs> I've filed taxes a couple dozen times in my life. So for me personally, that was a huge one. But even before that was Diner, hugely impactful movie. And I was little, I was seven, but my father had videotaped it. And we watched it every weekend we were at his house. I've seen that movie probably 35 times. Wow. And it's just the most amazing movie. And I have said many times, my first movie was this movie without a paddle. And me mm. and Seth Green and Matthew Lillard thought we were going to make mm. Diner in the Woods. <laughs> like we literally, <laughs> we must have had 20 conversations about the fact that we thought we were making Diner in the Woods. And then we saw it and know it was a movie for 12 year olds. <laughs> it was my first experience with like what I thought we made and then what I saw. It was the right decision. But of the themes I was thinking about when I looked at this huge career is that you've had some really pivotal transitions that you've navigated with a lot of grace. I don't know if internally it was easy or it was hard. And one of them is, yeah, you start in this movie Diner, which is, I guess, an art house movie in some way. It's a character piece. It's about the angst of 20s and becoming who you are. You're fucking great in it. That goes without saying. You go from that directly into Footloose. And that's about as dramatic a change as you can get because now you're a movie star when you leave that and you're a movie star for young people and i'm imagining that came with all kinds of different things were you embarrassed yeah i got to do this because i was on a show called punked and that's not a show i would have made but i would have sucked dicks on tv <laughs> like I, I was at the point where you name the show i'm in it Max Shepard sucking dicks they bought it in the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well after he sucked a few dicks they were like yeah this will work <laughs> that shows why i'm sitting here and through the grace of Ashton Kutcher, who saw something in me when no one else did, and he brought me back. Yet I wanted to just distance myself from that thing. Sure. I didn't want anything to do with that. I can't pinpoint what that feeling is. I guess from your point of view, you're a very serious actor. You went at 17 to New York. Like, this is your life. You've already decided this is your life. And you're in a movie diner, and fucking critics love it, and you got to be so proud of that movie. And then you do this other thing. And just the conflict of like, oh, now I'm on this trajectory, but I kind of like the other one. At your age now, though, what a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, sure. But I thought I knew everything for most of my life and career. And when you get old, you go, I didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah. I was an expert and I never was a child. And those combinations of things make for, on the upside, 
a tremendous amount of confidence, but on the downside, tons of mistakes and a lack of humility and the inability to take any kind of advice or look at things. For me too, I'm guessing, avail myself to advice, to let someone mentor me, let someone take me under their wing. You have dad shit? Not that I have dad shit. My desire for fame is a direct result of the fact that my father was well-known in Philadelphia. Oh. You're the baby of six? I'm the youngest of six, yeah. Yeah, so attention's not widely available. Definitely was not. But I never felt like, oh, geez, my parents don't pay any attention to me. I didn't want the attention. I wanted to just do my own thing and get out of the house and build it myself. Yeah. But when the Footloose thing happened, if there had been a mentor to say, schmuck, this is great. Do the cover of all of these magazines. Don't push back on this shit. Have some fun with it. And there was a certain level of self-sabotage that happened because it just didn't feel like being the, as you said, kind of actor that I wanted to be, a serious actor, whatever the fuck that is. I mean, a serious actor is someone that takes their work seriously. You should pretend you're in diner. Yeah. Always. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then on the next round, you see it all the time. People come out, it becomes a big giant hit and it's a pop culture kind of hit. But the director who's going to make his next serious movie is going to be getting pressure from the studio to use that guy. There was a lot of years after that where because I was really not enjoying it, I didn't like the interviews. I didn't like the pictures. I didn't like going on the talk shows. Do you know what it was you didn't like about it? I will say, especially at that time in the 80s, there was this notion that the real actors, De Niro, all these guys, you didn't know who they were. Right. And that was part of the recipe. I think that was part of it was that was the pedigree to which I was aspiring. Yeah. And also, I had come from a lot of theater. I just really, really wanted to do that and then do the odd Michael Cimino movie. So it didn't feel comfortable to me. I've gotten so much more used to it. And I realize now that it's a means to an end, basically. You just want opportunities to be able to play parts. Well, I think that's explicitly clear with you. One of my fascinations with you is like, what's the source of the hunger? It's so impressive. Yeah, I don't know. You fucking love acting. I do. I really do love acting. I mean, that's what, at this point, it's obvious. Because there's even people that work as long as you have and as much as you have, but you can see a little ism in it. It's like, they're maybe afraid to not be on a set. The things don't go well when they're not on a set. (laughs) That can keep people busy. Yes. That's not who I've assessed you to be at all. I think you're fine being off of a set. I'm fine fine. being off of a set, but I love the time between action and cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, The rest of it gets more and more tiresome. It doesn't seem like you are also in it at all for approval, which I do think most actors, a big percentage of it is that. This is the thing about the Footloose thing. I'm in it for the approval of the work, but not of me. Mm. Right, 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 like, right, right. I couldn't care less what people think. About you want to be yeah. invisible after. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everything that we do, present company excluded, is about, <laughs> yeah. you know, approving me. I'm a huge approval junkie. I'm fucking addicted to approval. I don't. You, I can wake know? up and say, listen, I've done my best. I'm trying to do best by the world and the people that I know Mm -hmm. and my kids, all I'm interested in is being seen in the work. Okay, so I will admit I'm an elitist, so I'm not in search of so much broad mass appeal, but there are still people, like, you want to bump into Sting? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, and for him to go, 
Holy totally. smokes. I'm addicted to City on the Hill. Sting has never told me that he watches City on the Hill. <laughs> I was at the Chateau Mormont in about 1980-something. Footloose had just come out, and someone told me <laughs> that he was in the in the hotel. And I've never done this before or since in my life, I can honestly <laughs> tell you. It's really not my style. But I just picked up the phone. I said, can you ring Sting's room? And, I, and he picked up the phone, and I said... Hey, um, this is Kevin Bacon. And there was this long pause and he went, fill me in. <laughs> and wow. I went, uh, I don't know. I just oh wanted to God. say that. Okay, bye. And I literally hung up. <laughs> you ran out of gas. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, fill me great. in is such a left I'll turn. Never, I'll never forget it. I'll yeah. never forget yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe in your mind you workshop like, God, he's probably either going to say like, fuck off. Or maybe he knows me. Maybe he's softful. So I got I got outcome. Right. But you got some options fill on them. In. But fill me in. You're not even pretending that that <laughs> one's coming your way. Fill me oh in. Oh my God, I'm borrowing that. I love that. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, Sting. On and <laughs> off screen. He doesn't disappoint. No, he doesn't. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. Ooh. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia. Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach. Yes. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia? Yeah. It mm. was a very common beach destination. Ugh. Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com.
the other thing I'm really interested in is like the amount of talent you were surrounded by as well early on. So even yeah. like the Footloose thing, you had already done a play with Sean Penn and with Val Kilmer, which by the way, did you watch his documentary? Yeah. You must have, right? Yeah, that was really <sighs> wild. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like, yeah, watching it for you. Yeah, it was pretty trippy. Well, first off, amazing that Val had those cameras. I'm not yeah. asking you to comment on this, but um, for me, that was the most peculiar part. I'm just trying to imagine what personality type carries a camera everywhere and mm -hmm. films themselves so often. It doesn't shock me he's an actor and he was brilliant, like fucking Doc Holliday. How are you going to top that performance? Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just legendary. Yeah, amazing, yeah. I think Val was really comfortable if you told him exactly who he was. And I think when he wasn't latched onto that, he was a little adrift. And I think all that filming was like trying to observe, hmm. who am I when I'm not a character? Mind you, huge fan. It's a character study of like, he's a character. His writings and his style and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's fascinating. Man. He's fascinating. When I saw the footage of specifically that play with you and Sean, I thought, oh, this guy's annoying. The f oh, here's what, let me just say this. <laughs> there's nothing I hated more than when someone had a fucking video camera. That's like my most hated thing is ironic because I wanted to be in movies. But if some right. joker just pointed a video. Well, it was unusual you? now because everyone's got a camera. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, it's like, then it was just like you felt so awkward immediately. Like, right. what are you filming? Nothing's happening well, here. That's why we mooned him, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's why we dropped trail. <laughs> but anyways, I wonder, do you think as well that having worked with Sean, I don't know what that experience was like for you. Yeah, great. We did that. And then many years later, we did Mystic River, which was great mm -hmm. to yes. kind of circle back. Sean's awesome. I mean, I love, love working with him. He's just so fucking awesome. And oh, he's yeah. someone that also, I would imagine, you wouldn't mind being. When you're thinking about, I want to be a serious actor and I don't want to be someone who's out on TV every night. Sean did that. He very early on said, I'm not doing interviews. You'll be happy to know he did this show. Yeah. <laughs> so you feel better. <laughs> yeah. He was definitely following in the footsteps of that idea of keeping more mystery. And I think that one of the great things about that, which I didn't have, which was the confidence to be able to say no. It's been taking me a long time to learn the power of no. You just want to keep doors open. Yeah. So the voice in your head is like, if I'm the dude who's always, they're just going to stop calling, right? That's the fear, I think. Well, also that people early on say, well, you know, it's part of the job. So I go, oh, okay. This is the first time I'm doing the job. So yeah. I guess, yeah, maybe it is part of the job. Well, someone told me they're not paying you to act in the movie. You should do that for free. They're paying you to sell the movie. I see the merit in that. That's such an interesting thing, and it's true, except for, have All you these... ever noticed that you do the same amount of interviews for the ones that go yes, right in the yes, shitter yes, as yes, you do yes, for the yes, hits, yes, and yes. sometimes less? I can't remember when I saw Leonardo DiCaprio on a talk show, and his shit seems to work out just fine yeah, without that. Taylor <laughs> Swift, too. She's doing just great not talking yes, to anyone. She seems yeah. to be fine. Yeah. One of my curiosities was, I guess maybe at that time, no one would have been heralding Mickey Rourke in the way they ultimately did. Mickey was hot. He was. Because I think that body heat had come out. He had that little turn in body. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like, who the fuck is that guy? I would say of us, he was hot. And I think Danny had been in something. Was it breaking away? But it's not like we couldn't walk around Baltimore. How did you feel relative to that early on, like doing a play with Sean, who's clearly fucking brilliant, and then Mickey Rourke's clearly fucking brilliant. Were you comparing yourself or did you feel quite at home? Was it inspiring? Was it threatening? Was it nothing? I always will compare 
how I'm doing. And there's always going to be somebody that's doing better. Sting was the North Star. (laughs) And that's the other thing. I'm always way more enamored with musicians uh, musicians than I am with, with actors. I love actors, but I also have to say that coming from the theater, I always felt that we had a responsibility to play the play and to play the scene. It had to be a group effort. During the preview process of doing a play, you really feel that and you really feel like we're all kind of in this together. You got to get that thing right. And you got to throw the ball back and forth and you got to listen to each other. And just like a band, you have to groove. The drummer has to be here and the bass player. That's what theater is kind of like. After opening night, sometimes those dynamics change only because in New York, the whole thing was predicated on one man's opinion, which was the guy from the New York Times, whoever happened to be the New York Times. And if that New York Times article says so-and-so is better than so-and-so, all of a sudden the dynamic shifts. Everybody comes in the fucking theater has read that. It's such a small group. It's not like they're going to see Aladdin or Lion King. What I was doing was serious theater, and then you looked at that one performance, and then things can shift. But what I learned when I went into film and television was that it was a more isolating, more hierarchical world, which is where you start to compare. You start measuring the length of your trailers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You start seeing who gets called first, who they're bringing the fucking sandwich to. Oh, even one that blew my mind in Without a Paddle, I started noticing, oh, they always shoot my close-up last. Shoot your close-up last? Which makes sense. Those two guys had much longer careers than I did. And if I improv something earlier, they might use it in their close-up. Like, this is just, oh, I got to be aware of this. Lots of status markers. Not to mention, when we shoot, we start as an ensemble because the camera is way over there. But then all this gear starts to come between you and the person that you're supposed to be connecting with and more and more gear. And then it gets to the point where they say, you know, don't even look over (laughs) here. Look at this little X on the thing. And you go, okay, I don't even need this motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So to get past that in film and television and try to hold on to the idea of the ensemble of the no small parts is a challenge. Yeah. So I did a movie with Meryl Streep and John C. Ryle, Davis Ruther. Love them all. Great actors left and right. But once we get in there, I roll up the sleeves and I don't go, she's going to get more love than me. I just got to do my shit and try to, you know, be good. If you're lucky enough to do it long enough, you definitely stop that racket. When you're young, you're scared. You're like, is this thing going to work out? The funny thing on Diner was, and you'll relate to this from the comedy point of view, is that Barry brought us down to Baltimore and we had these rehearsals where we would sit around and kind of start to improv. Paul Rogers showed up with no lines, basically. And Danny was great at improvising. Gutenberg was so inherently just funny without even really meaning to be. He's the great counterpuncher. Yeah. And Mickey had his very strange kind of thing. And I was like, oh shit. Barry starts laughing at all the shit that they're saying. And I feel completely inadequate in this world because I'm not a second city UCB. I had none of that. I was saying lines of playwrights. So I was like, I'm fucked, man. But I made the decision that I would be the guy that didn't talk, that got a kick out of these other guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And ultimately that worked because you couldn't have them all be clever. So, you know, kind of figuring out in that situation what your lane is, is also something to do. Okay, but here's where one can't rehearse or practice for, and this is another big topic I want to talk about, is you're just cool. 
You're just a cool fucking dude. I'm watching that movie as a young kid. And my brother and I are like, I want to be that dude. He looks cool. <laughs> There's no cool master class one can take. After Footloose, you did Quicksilver. Now, for three years, we were talking about when we grew up, we were going to be bicycle messengers. <laughs> and then you're in a river movie. And now mm. we want to be river guides. Like, you just were cool as fuck. You've always been cool. And I wanted to ask you, who did you think cool and what do you think cool is? You mean besides Sting? <laughs> well, we know Sting is cool. <laughs> besides the high watermark? It was mostly, you know, rock and rollers. A level of I don't give a fuck. Cool is such a specific kind of thing. What do we think it is? It's something universally coveted? What? Yeah, I think what cool for me is everyone I was attracted to was like, this guy doesn't care. He has conviction about who he is. And that's that. He's not going to be bridled with the pressure of everyone around him. Mm. He's going to walk his path. Fucking Confidence. Thoreau, path less chosen. Yeah, it's like conviction and a lack of concern what anyone else thinks about that. Mm. And some people kind of intrinsically have it. Not something that I consciously of course not. sort of like aspired to, if I'm being perfectly honest. Well, I think if you try to be cool, compliment? you're not cool. I don't it. mind that. Sometimes Monica I, says I'm cool, and I, lo cool. I love it. When have I said that? Uh, <laughs> play the tapes, Rob. Rewind the tapes. <laughs> no, but I dig cool. that one. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. I like that better than other couples that make me much more uncomfortable. <laughs> but you're cool. Yeah, I'll take that. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing I mean, if I'm smart that. and cool, great. Let's get the cool first. <laughs> I've never been accused uh, of being smart. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit, because you mentioned it really quick and it keeps spinning in my head, when you said you self-sabotaged, how did that come out? In what way? Well, they were bombs. I did a lot of bombs right after Footloose, one after another. And I was told that I was going to get three studio bombs. And I kept getting leads in movies, but they weren't performing one yeah. after another after another. The only people I've interviewed who I think totally get it are politicians who like publicly <laughs> said, please vote for me. Ugh. Yeah. And then they didn't vote for you. Yeah. What really worked for me was you need to talk about transition. So there was a moment where I kind of went, okay, I'm in this kind of existential moment about career. And it's not like I thought, well, I got to do something else. I just thought there was something that needed to shift. And an agent of mine said, I remember seeing you off Broadway. You're a character actor. I was like, oh, okay, because I thought I was a leading man. So I'm cool as fuck. The Shepherd Boys <laughs> told me I was cool. Yeah. I'm going to uh, ride this out. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they got 10 speed bicycles. They're killing each other right. and bringing each other back to life. I mean, they're doing all of it. <laughs> so I did JFK, and that was a tiny little part, and it literally flipped it for me. People sometimes go, well, wasn't that a great moment? It never really feels like that was a thing. Life meanders along in a different sort of way. But that one definitely was it. And you were honest about that, by the way, because at that time you did an, an interview with the New York Times and you said, if I want to be in A movies with A-list directors, I'm going to have to be a character actor. Well, first off, I'm amazed that the New York Times did an interview with me. Those fuckers haven't knocked on my door. And, <laughs> and that's the only paper I read. So let me just say... Okay, yeah. So, but the quote well, is, you were honest about it, which, again, is a cool move. You're not, like, hiding from that decision. You're owning that decision, 
here's the thing. I want to be in great movies, and this is the way I can be in great movies. You rattle off like 10 awesome fucking movies in a row. You're in JFK, A Few Good Men, Apollo 13. Sleepers, by the way, I just fucking love that movie. But it's just really funny because you didn't want to be a leading man. You were told you're supposed to, so you're forcing yourself into this box that doesn't feel right. So, of course, that didn't work. Well, the corny thing is, is that actually... Before I decided I wanted to be a serious actor, when I was about 17, when I was about 13, all I wanted to be was a pop star. Oh. I didn't care if it was music. Sure. I didn't care if it was acting. I wanted to be on the cover of Tiger Beat oh. or, or 16 Magazine. I wanted to be Bobby Sherman or David Cassidy or Michael Jackson yeah. or Donny Osmond. And when I started taking acting classes and went to New York, the whole pop star thing went right out of my head. I couldn't give a shit about it. And then you became one on accident. Yeah. And then I became one, yeah. yes, as you would say, in the middle of the country, on accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, do you know that? No, no but that's... I say on accident. You say I'm on from accident. Michigan. I know you're from Michigan. Yeah. I know. On the East Coast, they never ever <laughs> well, says on accident. No one should. Now that you pointed out, it makes zero sense. There's on a few accident. of them that come out. Do you say online or in line? Byline. What? <laughs> no, no, Wait, no. In if line. you're standing in line or standing online, I notice in New York they say on cue or online. Oh. I say on. Yeah. Whoa. I say in line, Me right? Too. You say yeah. in line. Yeah. yeah. We're learning all the colloquial, uh, regional that colloquial terms. Yeah. Where are you from? Georgia. Would you say on accident? I did that on accident. Yeah. You would. Oh, good. I think so. Yeah. It's wrong. It makes no sense. It's definitely objectively wrong. Later, I won't take up your interview with it, <laughs> but I'm going to give that some thought and I'm going to try to make a case for why it makes sense. The New York Times did a really cool thing a few years ago where they listed, I think it was 10 questions. Oh, they, they can pinpoint. pinpoint. I feel like we did that on we here did. Oh, on yeah, a back yeah, check. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. And they got nailed me. Nailed it. They nailed it. Yes. Pretty amazing. It's like, would you say if the sun shines out and it's raining, would you say the devil's beating his wife? That was a really fun yeah, one. Yeah, to me, it just proved we're just so predictable as yeah. people. 10 questions and they can tell us where we're from right. almost to the county. I know. Yeah. Think how many yeah. espionage movies we watched when we were younger where it's like, no one had that list. It's like they couldn't figure out who the guy was. You know, it's like all they would have had to do is like, okay, so it's raining in the sun's out. What do you call that? And they would have been like, you're from fucking Skokie, Illinois. Yeah. Case closed. You wanted to be a pop star and then you were. And a, you said that's because your dad? Wanna... Well, my dad was a city planner in the city of Philadelphia. He was very, very famous in Philadelphia and very famous amongst city planners. Oh. He was not a wealthy man because he basically worked for the city. So in Philly, his name was in the papers all the time and stuff yeah. like that. And my father was very, very into his own press. Sure, He sure. saved all of his clippings. He yeah. would bring home articles and share them with the family. He was extremely into being famous. Oh, yeah. wow. And I was like, I gotta beat him at this game. Well, it's twofold, right? Because it's hmm. like, I defined myself in opposition to my dad. So literally the, my marching orders were like, whatever he was, I was going to be the opposite mm -hmm. of. So it's ironic. You might've been able to enjoy the fame thing if you hadn't hated the fact that he was a little narcissistic about his own fame. I think so. And I've never kept a clipping. I don't have anything lying around. An old, old acquaintance of mine found in their basement or something like that, an unopened pack of fan mail for Columbia Pictures. It was back from Quicksilver. No way. Yes. Yeah, and from, one wow. from Dave and Dak Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look. They're unopened. They're really funny, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, I started opening them the other day. Oh, my them. God. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. 
You know, I'm so sympathetic to your father. For me, at least, it's a blast. Like, I read about myself a ton. It took me doing it and then realizing, mm, I feel worse after this. And so now I'm going to stop. But there's no way I couldn't have the phase where I was like reading everything about myself. I get it's it. It's a confirmation that it's not a dream, maybe. I'm not saying that I don't have that need for acknowledgement. You know, I would say that like 99.9% .9 of being famous is good. It's mostly people saying, I love you and yeah. giving you free shit. I'm not that person that goes, oh God, I wish I'd never had it. It was not the people as much as the written word. And you know, I stopped reading reviews, which was a great weight off my shoulders, probably 25, 30 years ago. Well, People that's why you missed the New York Times article. Oh, that's must have been it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How much do we love Catherine Hahn? Oh my God, I love Catherine so much. She's so fucking special, isn't She's she? She's so special. And making that show, I love Dick, with Catherine and with Griffin Dunn, who I've known Griffin Dunn would be a person, A, who's cool, and B, who has a career that I like, uh, American Werewolf in London. I was like, fuck yes. that guy. I want to be that fucking guy. <laughs> Doing that show with those guys, so great. The fact that that didn't continue was a real head scratcher for me. Obviously, in their algorithm, not enough people watched. But on the other hand, it was not a super expensive show. And it was like making a cool little indie, putting out this wild kind of thing and working with great people well by the way though that was the time frame where there were some casualties that were unjustified because the whole viewership was falling precipitously mm -hmm. and they kept comparing things to the year before but then every year it was dropping by 25 percent. right but i love doing that show so that was i guess that was going to be the last transition i asked you about which is so you do character acting for a while you're in all these great movies and then it's a big decision to go to television it was, yeah. It was a decision that, because I came up in a time when, honestly, if the agent had said, have you thought about a series, I would fire the agent. Yep. It'd be like saying, are you going to do a KFC commercial? It really was. Yeah. And by the way, do you have a line on a KFC commercial? <laughs> well, now too, that was the other thing. By the way, my wife and I have always done commercials, but we were right at the beginning. And I said to her, Robert Downey Jr. is in the biggest movie ever made, and he's selling HTC phones. Whatever people <laughs> fucking think, yeah. it's all over. Go be good in everything people see you in, and that's all that matters. That's what I feel. And, you know, that's the other thing is that Hollywood really likes to come up with these goofy-ass rules. Like, like hoarding the who. It's like the yeah. three bombs yes. rule that I talked about. Yeah. Or oh, the, yeah, or yeah. The, you can do commercials, you just can't do one in the U.S. Right. right. I was in a Japanese commercial for what they called a power drink. It's like a Red Bull type thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Years and years ago. Before Lost in Translation? Yeah, before Lost in Translation. So when you were watching that movie, oh, were you God. like... 100%. Oh my God. 100%. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> so, so close. <laughs> Although we shot the commercial in Hawaii. Oh, that's okay. good. I mean, I had the benefit of watching Kira on set for seven years on The Closer. She was having a great time every year putting on a gown. I was walking behind her holding her train and it was not only the money and the accolades and the whole thing, but the idea that she could take a character and just kind of live with it for a while. Yes. And keep kind of exploring it. And then simultaneously, I'm watching the Wire and, and Dexter and, and The Sopranos yeah. and Six Feet Under. What I realized was that writers up until this point of this beginning of the golden age, not to take anything away from the great 
sitcom writers, but the drama writers often got the shit end of the stick on movies. You start making the movie and you and I, and we all just start fucking around with their lines. They get fired immediately. Yeah. They bring somebody in to tighten up the script. It was a very, very Close. disrespectful yeah. mm-hmm. sort of a system that we had created. And writers are kings in TV. They're above the director. Right. Yeah. So they were like, you know what? Fuck this. Let's go over and start making TV. And so like a lot of other actors, I was like, well, I just need to go where the writing was. Now, that being said, to make that call and to say, all right, guys, I want to throw my hat in the ring for television was a very, very tough call for me to make. But literally in the first two weeks, I read three of the best scripts that I'd read wow. for years, pilots, none of which got made. But I was like, that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah, That's a part I haven't done. So it's now a huge part of my life. I'll never not do TV. I'm just curious, did you have all the same experiences I did, which is like, A, every movie, I fall in love with it, and then it has to end, and then I'm sad, and then I miss everyone, and I'm like, oh, wait, I get to do this for a long time? That's incredible. Two, this lifestyle is awesome. I live at home, I drive to work, I come back, I'm not out of town, missing my life. And then, to the Kira point, and I remember saying this to Kristen, like, year two of the show, I came home, and I'm like, I don't think I'm doing enough or something. And Mm. she goes, no, hon, this is the magic of TV. You no longer have to think about your character. Like you just know it intrinsically. Mm. And then you just exist as this thing. And I'm like, well, this is incredible. What a feeling. Did you have all those kind of like revelations? All of those things. It's really nice to live at home, but I don't know that I would necessarily put that at the top. And in terms of the being sad when things end, I've had so many sad endings that I've kind of gotten past it. I say to everybody, we will see each other down the road. And you know, the weird thing is that we do. I circle back into projects with crew members that I've worked with. Pretty much everything that I do now, somebody comes up and says, hey, remember, you know, I was doing craft service on, you know. (laughs) Those two things are true, but they're not quite as important. But to me, the thing is, if you get a two-hour movie, even if you're the lead of the movie, there's only a certain amount of things that you're going to go through. If you can live for a few seasons, you can say, well, what would happen if, uh, you know, we got sick? Whatever it is, all these things can get explored. And I completely agree with you about you get to the point where you just got that flow. And that's the sweet spot. You could have handed me a senior six on Parenthood. You could hand me four pages and I look at it while I'm getting my makeup on. And I walk out there and I do it perfectly. It's true. It, it just because that's what happens. Yeah, all of a sudden. that's so true. And then you go away to something and you're like, oh, God, that's right. It's, I got to remember. Well, I also feel that in this current situation that we're in, and I think that this kind of speaks to a lot of actors, not so much in my position, but more in the rank and file, what we really need to do is to get rid of these silly exclusivities. You can't tell me that I'm going to do six episode show, not applying this to me, I'm applying it to the rest of the members of our union. I'm only going to get paid for six episodes and I can't work on another platform. Get real. It's, yeah, they're asking you to be in retirement seven months a year. Exactly. And I think that we need to continue to push back against that. But I agree with you. Just across the board, that exclusivity is bullshit and just punishes actors. Also, the idea that you do a pilot and they have a year to decide whether or not you pick it up. And during that time, you're not allowed to work. Uh, it's like going broke. Yes. Yeah. yes. You know, and so anyway, that's my little rant against the man. Like I that? co-sign on it. Yeah. I co-sign. It's ridiculous. Wait, real quick. When you were on the red carpet and you were holding the dress, was it a little bit of a hit to the ego when you were on the red carpet 
behind Kira. I'm just curious about that. I'll tell you what I feel about that. Kira spent a lot of years with me when I was more well-known and making more money and all those kinds of things. Yeah. If the tables had been flipped and it was me starting with her, I don't know if I would have been able to handle it. Yeah. Because I was already, had done my thing, I had nothing but support for her and for that moment. She, on the other hand, to her credit, has never been competitive with me. It's part of why it works. My wins are her wins, then that goes both ways. Yeah, that's nice. It's hard to do, I it think. It is hard to do, yeah. yeah. I was okay with my wife being more desirable, but I had this male hang-up that I was supposed to be making the most money in mm -hmm. the house. To be honest, I didn't get at peace with it until we had kids and I recognized like, oh, well, all this money is for them. I mean, I definitely, for better or for worse, was raised to be the provider. I guess probably my parents were traditional in some kind of ways, but they weren't backward. Yeah, yeah that was a rough one for me. Yeah. Okay, they and them. This is an incredible concept for a horror movie. It's a gay conversion camp. You are the counselor. Yes. Tremendous first speech. I'm like, well, this can't be true, but <laughs> I'm buying it. If I'm them, so they all arrive. They yeah. know they're at conversion camp. No one wants to be there. They're forced. And he and me is like, listen, I don't care who you are. We're not <laughs> here to make someone not gay. God loves all you. And that's the last time we're going to talk about God. Mm. I mean, I'm in. Yeah, well, that was part of John Logan's fantastic writing. I mean, he's Gladiator and Skyfall and Aviator and Penny Dreadful. I mean, he's one of the great screenwriters and also great playwright as well. He started mm. as a playwright. I'd known John for a really long time. Speaking of television, there was one that he wrote that was kind of like the one that got away. It was one of those shows that I read and I really wanted to do it. It was a, such a cool idea and such a great character. And then it was like a regime change and it got sent away. And anyway, the whole thing fell apart. But we had sort of remained in contact. Every once in a while, I would check in with him, see how he was doing, if he had anything new going on. And he wrote this as a reaction to the horror that there was still people out there that believed that you could be converted to be something that you're not. I think the statistic is something like 50,000 kids a year are put through some form of conversion therapy. 50, today, yeah, today. It should so be against the law. It's crazy to me that that would yeah. be legal. Yeah, it's crazy. It is a state-to-state -state kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So talking with him about this character, there's an option where he would be a buzz-cut military drill sergeant, mega cap-wearing sort of dude yep. with, a, with a firearm, a stereotype kind of thing. And we talked about him being just as reasonable as possible and almost like a deadhead more of like a hippie kind of vibe and outdoorsy kind of dude that you would go on a camping trip with uses tom's toothpaste Use <laughs> <laughs> you guys would know is that a callback oh yeah it's a we deep would call deep that? cut callback okay. call that's a callback that was from uh, like a, two hours ago you were holding that in your back pocket <laughs> Patiently. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're so inviting. Like, yeah. I'm like, well, fuck, I'll see how this goes. I mean, I think this guy might really be all about finding their truth, whatever yeah. that may be. Yeah, we tried to see if there was a possibility that somebody could be watching it and be thinking, well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Canva. Good presentations take time, or they used to, because now you have Canva to help you make amazing slides 
fast. I'm talking like seconds, thanks to the power of AI in Canva presentations. All you have to do is start with a prompt like a sales presentation for a tech company, then sit back and let Canva work its magic. It's incredible what AI is doing. I'm seeing all kinds of image generated. I follow I these architectural websites that it's all AI generated. It's just mind blowing what it comes up with. You just tell it what you want and it'll do it. Boom. It's a time saver and it's easy for any department to use. And it's great for companies of any size. Even Fortune 500 companies rely on Canva. Finish your work faster and generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. If you listen for a while, AG1 shouldn't be new to you. What's not new to me, I've been a fan for over six years. I have it every morning. I had it this morning. But if you haven't tried it yet, seriously, it's such an easy way to improve your health. It replaces multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. In 60 seconds... I know I'm covering my nutritional bases and setting myself up for success to tackle the day. And for how simple it is, it's crazy what a difference it makes. It's full of prebiotics for my gut, vitamin B to keep my energy up, magnesium for my stress levels. I could keep listing ingredients and benefits all day, but you just need to know it works. So I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. If you want to find out your newest healthy habit, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com dax. That's drinkag1.com dax. Check it out. We are supported by New Balance. Whether you're going for your first ever jog around the park, Getting ready for a marathon or even picking up the pace on the last stretch before you get home, if you run, you're a runner. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com running to learn more. By the way, it's my favorite kind of writing when you make it really hard. We just had Brian Cranston on. He was talking about that he had met Gilligan by being in an episode of X-Files. And the premise was that this guy that gets in the back seat has got something in his head. And if Mulder doesn't drive at 65 miles an hour, his head's going to blow up. <laughs> and he wrote it that the guy he was playing was detestable racist piece of shit. Anti-Semitic, like horrible. Like you'd want his head to blow up. Right. And he's like, that's the genius of Gilligan. It's like, fuck, what's he do now? Is he still going to save this piece of shit? Uh -huh. Like, is he still going to try to kill himself right, to save this right. animal? If you walk out with the MAGA hat on and everything, I'm like, eh, okay, yeah, I know where this is going. You're so fucking likable. That's what I try to do. Yeah, yeah, you're incredibly likable, incredibly inviting. It gives us someplace to go to. But you've played good guys and you've played bad guys. Yes. Is it fun to pop back and forth? It's not so much going back and forth between the good and the bad of it as it is just someone's shoes that I haven't walked in recently or at least exactly or I can find something new to explore. Sometimes that's just a function of age, really. A lot of people guess that bad guys are quote-unquote more fun, that the fun is the complexity, the fun is the reach, the fun is taking a big swing, you know, the fun is good writing. Well, eventually you'll get to take an incredible turn. He turns really hard. It's a cool movie because the horror part of it is really the idea of the conversion therapy, but it's also very empowering for young LGBTQ people to 
see themselves in a film represented in a different kind of way. Well, it's wish fulfillment to fight back. And not to give too much away, but it's not really about us killing all those people. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. What it reminded me conceptually a lot of is Get Out. Mm -hmm. And with Get Out and probably some things before, Jordan and other people have proved that horror can also make comments on things and sometimes be funny and sometimes have a social commentary. What's interesting about They Slash Them is that he takes this structurally, he puts it right in the Friday the 13th land. It's in camp. Things happen in a very, very traditional 70s slasher movie format. It's not elevated horror in that kind of way. It's only elevated to the extent that it's dealing with this Yeah, it's the formula. Hmm. The way a comedy is a formula. Exactly, which is cool. So do you know he was in Friday the 13th? The original? I was in the original, yeah. I was in the first one, yeah. So what's, I imagine a little meta for you is to know that a lot of the pop culture references you would just have to, out of necessity, use in your life. You're involved. (laughs) Yeah, I know how crazy. Like if you're ever going to say, oh, it's got to follow this blueprint, it's got to be like Friday the 13th. I'm going to say that. Right. Yeah, right. It's like very meta. It is. That's embarrassing. No, it's not embarrassing. Well, it happens to me. Like, punked became a word that wasn't a word and i'm watching movies all the time and they're like what did you just punk me and i'm right. like oh it's so weird wow. it's yeah, so yeah, weird yeah. like that's we invented true. that word and now i would use it if i had to say would well, they punk you that's cool yeah, yeah. but uh, of course that's one thing and there's so many things you would probably reference naturally that you're in <laughs> like i knew monica wouldn't have known that that's really funny where'd you shoot this thing we shot it in georgia oh, you- oh. oh. yeah I was in a town called Covington. Then the camp itself was probably another, I don't know, half hour or something back. This part would make me uncomfortable if I were you. That cast is largely a new cast. They're young. You're Kevin Bacon. Is that stressful? I wouldn't say stressful. I'm not It doesn't seem like you're comfortable with being a legend or anyone that people are like looking up to. But you can just kind of cut that off at the knees pretty quickly. As you did backstage at the CMTs with me. Right. You can just kind of roll up your sleeves and say, come on, what are we doing? I mean, here's what's important to me, that people are in an enjoyable and fun, safe working environment. I'm not someone that thrives with chaos. I like to take it seriously. If I'm doing a scene that is a heavy scene, I'm not going to be joking around in between takes and people may go oh god he gets very dark i can't turn it on and off like a tap some people can but you don't have to call me by my character name and <laughs> right, you're right. allowed to look me in the eye it's not on the call sheet that you can't look them in the <laughs> yeah. eye you know, those kind of things and in the case of this thing you know john and i talked about it, there was a level of built-in sort of leadership that had to happen there were a lot of very young performers people that hadn't really done that much and in fact he structured it so that that first speech was the first thing we shot. Oh, it was. I don't even care if it's a child. I want us to be performers together. Um, like the stage, you want it to be equal. Yeah, and, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. It helps. Do you have the mentor gene in you? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. I asked it for a very specific reason. So I've recently realized I love it. That's awesome. And in doing it, I've realized how wrong I was about ever accepting anyone's mentorship. Like Mm. I always thought maybe I didn't deserve it or don't waste your time on me or I want to act like I know everything and I can't be vulnerable enough to say that you might be able to teach me something. Mm -hmm. All those myriad of reasons. What I never anticipate is that the person who's mentoring is getting so much joy out of it. Like that would have never occurred to me that it's for them. How do you do it? Well, 
Ricky, who your daughter works with. I've known him since he was doing stand-up before he got his first show. For whatever reason, he started asking me questions. I always made a bunch of time for him. I've spent more time talking to Ricky than you can imagine mm. about things he's doing. And I find every time I got off, I was like, I loved that experience. But it really opened my eyes up to like, oh, I was actually kind of denying those people something as well, the mm. ones that wanted to help me. Okay, I'll start mentoring. <laughs> <laughs> Send me over your overflow. Listen, Call Bacon, here's his number. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hello, uh, Dax. Fill Dax, me Dax, in. Yeah, fill me in. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's a callback, too. Nice yeah, callback, callback. Money. Yes. Yeah. Like two juicy callbacks in this episode. There's usually only one. Well, anyways, I watched it and I think it's a really, really cool concept. It's a really cool way to explore that just as I loved Get Out's approach to racism this way. I think still, as much as those like gay characters or trans characters on things, it's almost like they're just there sometimes. And it's mm -hmm. not really an exploration of what their experience is. Mm -hmm. And this is fully that. It I mean, fully it, is. I think if I was a gay kid or a trans kid or whatever, I would like this movie like I like Footloose. Like I would love to see yourself. That was John's intent for sure. In the first conversation we had about it, he very specifically said that to me. I want this to be out on a platform that somebody could get in the rural south that is maybe closeted and, yes. and, and is trying to keep this thing quiet or if not is estranged from the community bully whatever and can put that on and go fuck yeah that's I me i see me yeah. yeah 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 and i'm kicking ass and i'm gonna kill this bastard who was so <laughs> likable 70 minutes ago <laughs> yeah. um oh this is what i was gonna say you're not that old you know there's still mentors out there for you <laughs> are there there are Dax could mentor you. No, that would not be. That'd be inappropriate. <laughs> this doesn't happen all that often. And this is a terribly shameless name drop. Oh, good. But I was at a party not too long ago, and Al Pacino was there. Mm. And he was sitting next to someone that I know that I had worked with. And she stood up and she said, sit down and talk to Al. That was great. First off, he's also someone that comes from a lot of theater. I don't think he was looking at it as any sort of a mentor thing, and it's not like it was presented in that way. But for me, I was so enamored by him as a kid. And Indian Wants the Bronx was the first monologue that I auditioned for to try to get into my acting school and being in New York in the 70s and working in the theater in New York in the 70s. He was such an icon to me in terms of like people who were working on the stage doing great shit and then also in these amazing... Panic Neil Park from Serpico. Two best movies ever made. Yeah. To get that little hang, you mentioned there are still mentors around. He would be the only one that pops into my head. Instinct, yeah. maybe still. And him. <laughs> All right, you're going to hate this part, but here it comes. I think now, having talked to you for six hours. I really got to pee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we keep doing Don't worry, this to people. I'm landing the plane right now. I think it's a little hard for you to accept who you actually are. I think the Footloose thing's like a little clue of that. Like you were a fucking rock star heartthrob. You just were. You could have rolled with it, as you now know. Right. I don't think you know so many people sit down next to you in their next Al Pacino. I don't think that has sunk into you. And I'm telling you, I'm looking you in the eyes, and I'm telling you, I would have cut off a foot to be you. My Is brother that a and I. Joke? Yeah. Oh my God. Ding, 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 I, that was an accidental sure. one. And now I regret <laughs> it. It was on I accident. Been working so hard. I'm limping so hard. These shoes don't fit. <laughs> I'm playing it cool because I'm a professional. <laughs> 
But I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you. It is mind-blowing to me. I mean, I just worshipped you as a kid. I wanted to be you. I think the reason you don't mentor is you don't recognize that so many people would love to know how you be Kevin Bacon and how you navigate all this and how you go through 10 transitions and how you stay flexible and how you stay focused and how you stay hungry. You have all that to give. I'm just as excited to sit next to you as I would be Al Pacino, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart. Oh, that's very nice. Let's put some post-its on the mirror. You got to get Al in here. He's very entertaining. Does this kid have any idea <laughs> what's That would be going the whole on? episode. It's yeah. him just doing I got back four and... dead bodies on Venice Boulevard, Diane. I don't care if the goddamn chicken's cold. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, I, I'll just end. You got to pee. pee. You have yeah, to now pee. Now I'm really nervous. I know. But just I, go. I just appreciate let it rip. <laughs> you'd be the Weird first guy that ever happened, happened on this couch. Couch. Yeah. yeah, you'd be the first. <laughs> I appreciate that though, because what is obvious is your ego is so healthy. You have such a suspiciously so. It's beautiful <laughs> and wonderful. So. No, I think it has to do with your longevity. It's I'm like on mushrooms. Okay, well, that, there we go. Detached that's his, it. his ego. That's it. No, but I think that's why he can't see that, and I think that's a beautiful yeah, thing. But you can let a little of it in. You can little it. Well, there's a reality. It's not yeah. even ego. There's just a fucking reality. I'm bowled over to sit with you. I'm now going to let you pee. Yeah, we're going to let you pee. everyone pee. sees they slash them, which Thank is you. on Peacock. It's out right now. Go right now. Watch they slash them. Also, watch City on the Hill season three. Mm-hmm. And let's keep that going for Kevin. Let's yeah. let him renegotiate okay. a couple of times. Sure. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Kevin, this has been a fucking riot for Thank me. You Thank guys. you guys. It's really fun. And I'm a big fan of the show, as I told you earlier, before you were rolling, or maybe you were rolling. And uh, keep up rolling. the good work. It really is fun. It's great listening to. All right. Thank you. We'll be on the phone with New York Times. Expect a call. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? <laughs> and now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Okay, so you? I have a new bird. You have a new bird tattoo. It's awesome. Oh, my God. Thank you. I'm so glad you like it's it. It's really cool. Obviously, you know, it's going to look better. It's covered in plastic and gooey right now. Like, when I wash it, it'll be sharper. I really like it. You're, you, you are almost at a full sleeve, my friend. Yeah, we're almost there. You know, so what will happen next is she has to tie this. It's like, what's that tree floating <gasps> in the middle of nowhere? So this will become a cliff. Oh. And then there'll be a waterfall. So now this tree's up on a cliff and these birds are flying like in another zone. And are you going to do the spider web on the elbow? Fuck yeah, of course I will. For Halloween? Tommy Lee style. Are you... Uh, Joining a motorcycle club? No, but you do look scarier. Oh, okay. In a good way. Oh, okay. But <laughs> smiley still? Yeah. Yeah. But you look cool. It looks cool. Oh, thank you. It's enormous. Longest tattoo I've ever had. Six and a half hours straight. Oh my God. And Ruby crushed it. She really, really crushed it. Oh yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is it the same woman? And it is. It is. And then Charlie popped in. Okay. Out of nowhere, like maybe hour three. Okay. Which was such a nice breakup of time. Yeah, you got to chit chat. Because I can't be on my phone either. I don't have one of these pop sticks things that everyone has. Sure. Pop-its? Pop-outs? Um, Pop-outs. Pop-outs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I can't really handle my phone with one hand. So yeah. I really was off my phone for six and a half hours wow. as well. So I'm just sitting there for six and a half hours. You know, we're chit-chatting. We're going to get some good chit-chat. Yeah. Uh, but then all of a sudden, Charlie, Perfect Ten Charlie pops in. That's fun. And what's great, you'll love this. It's so textbook, Charlie. When I got there at 12, Ruby said, oh, good. Charlie left his sunglasses here yesterday. Will you grab them? Uh-huh. I said, of course. I'll see Charlie this weekend for qualifying. Yeah. And something in my head said, there's no way Charlie can handle not being with his sunglasses well sure enough he just stopped in and then right when he walked in 
I go, you here for your sunglasses? And he goes, yeah. That's, Mind you, this he tattoo didn't even bar is in Culver there. City. It's not like it's close to his house or his work. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I said, you OCD motherfucker. And then he smiled so big. He goes, yeah, just couldn't. I needed to stop thinking about him. I had to just come get him to stop thinking. And I was like, I love What you. a brain. I Culver love City. It. There's just like nothing I will drive to Culver City no. for to pick up. Sunglasses that I would have grabbed and yeah. given to him within the next couple of days. But that's that's the power of his brain. <laughs> he knew you were going to be there, though? Or was it total? I think Ruby said I'll send your sunglasses home with that. I see. Not not gonna not good enough. So he got a tattoo the day before. He had been there the day before. What did he see? Get? Ruby lives in Florida. Exactly. And so when she's in town, you generally we go see her. Snag some time. <laughs> we go get some time. <laughs> I guess she's our witch. What's going on? Did you have a serious exercise? Because you're in spandex pants, which you yeah. never wear. I'm in workout clothes. Workout clothes. That's what we call them. Uh-huh. Don't need to say the word spandex. What were you doing in your workout outfit? Okay, so I went on a walk with Callie. Okay, to like a hike or a walk? A walk. We walked to uh, Maru. Not Maru. Another coffee shop. Uh oh, competing coffee shop. Well, it's just a further walk. So it was the purpose was the walk. Yeah, the walk. What was it? Broom Street General. Okay. Or was that all the way in Silver Lake or something? Not all the way, but it's closer. You know, I don't know about one thing over there. I just discovered Mix the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Only because I searched salad bar near me. Like I was really looking for a Bob's Big Boy or a Sizzler. Yeah. And I ended up at a kind of cool place on accident. When you told me that, I then yesterday or two days ago, I tried to look for you for the salad bar you're looking for. Oh. Um, I didn't find it. No. Yeah. I don't know that they exist so much anymore. I mean, Whole Foods has a salad bar. But that's yeah, not what we want. It's not what we want. Yeah. No, we want to sit down and eat it. And then we go, oh, that kind of cheese was extra good. My next plate, I'm going to add more. Exactly. Yeah. I always think these things would be popular restaurants. <laughs> like, remember family style? Yeah. Because I had eaten at Kimmel's place. And I was like, well, that's the answer. And then I also think salad bar. But yeah. maybe no one wants to. I feel like if everyone wanted a salad bar, they'd be everywhere. And there's none. Well, family style, <laughs> as I told you. Is exists. pretty much happening at every restaurant these days. Oh, okay. Um, hip restaurants. Oh, okay, great. It's shared plates. We're young people. <laughs> We're the, the youth. youth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but salad bars, few and far between. Maybe it's too cumbersome. Like we're in an area with where square footage is at a premium. You can't dedicate like 200 square feet to this, you know, big boy style salad bar. You know what I think it is? I think people don't think it's hygienic. Oh, a lot of people are really disgusted by the idea of a salad bar. Oh, boy. I'm not, but some people are. Ma and Sheila did poison that one salad bar yeah. up in uh, the Dalles, she Oregon. She ruined it. Yeah, she might have permanently tainted. Do you think they're unsanitary? I just don't want to think about it that much because I do like them. Oh, okay, great. So, Do you have a favorite when you go to Georgia back home? No, I haven't had a salad bar in oh. a long time. And we still have a big boys here in L.A. We have Bob's Big Boy in Burbank. But that's the only big boy I've ever been to that doesn't have a salad bar. They still have the delicious big boy salad with the signature proprietary big boy blue cheese, Yum. which is great. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm really looking for is a Michigan big boys salad bar. Bunch of ice under all the things. The bowls are kind of sliding willy nilly when you put the, <laughs> the tongs in there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know, so when we went to Michigan three years ago. Yeah. Three summers ago, maybe. We went to Big Boys. That was a bad one. Okay, I was going to ask, I was no, gonna ask it was, you. That was an embarrassment. <laughs> okay. That was really a bad that one. That was my question. Are you so <laughs> enamored? Like, is your memory so 
overwhelming that you couldn't see that that one wasn't very good. That one was terrible. Okay. And it was an embarrassment. The lettuce was rotting. The lettuce was brown and (laughs) wilted and not crispy, despite it being iceberg. Oh, you won't do this, but. As an option for you, okay. there is a great big boys off the 10 Okay, on your way to Palm Springs oh. in Cali Mesa. Okay. Cali Mesa is just past Riverside, so you're still about a half hour away from Palm Springs. Okay. There's a beautiful newer big boys, and it has a great salad bar. Okay. If you get there on the weekend, it has the breakfast bar as well. Oh. Got a hot bar and a cold bar. This is good to know. Yeah. You know what was great one time? I was in there by myself. Mm-hmm. I was like on my way to the sand dunes, and I stopped in for a salad bar. Yeah. And the waitress said to me, you know, we had a celebrity in here a week ago. I, I kind of felt like I knew what was coming. Oh. And it was Kurt Russell. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. Kurt Russell had been at the same big boys a week before. Okay. And I'm like, that's exactly who I would think would be there. Interesting. And you know him. I know him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, it was in my mind before she said it. Like, and you didn't say I what didn't, you always say, which is, can I guess? Right. And that would have been a great time for you to have guessed. I did do that at a strip club, as you remember, (laughs) in Oklahoma. And I was right. No. Okay, you think you've told me all these stories you have not told me. I have. Well, I'll tell it to you. Well, I may be outing him. Okay. Well, whatever. Beep, 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 beep his name. Beep, 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 beep his name. We'll beep. I was driving to go do Let's Go to Prison. I was driving by myself. I decided I want to drive to that. It was in Illinois. Okay. And I had never taken this one route through America. So I went. I found myself in Oklahoma. No, Oklahoma City. Okay. Bombing. I, I had, ne- well. well just okay. wanted to remind everyone. <laughs> yes, very nice of you to remind everyone. <laughs> and I always contradict myself. I don't like strip clubs. I really don't. But that's not to say I haven't been to them a dozen times. <laughs> I have. You've tried them all out just to make sure you don't like them. What happens, I had a spell when I was doing Employee of the Month because I was in New Mexico. We were shooting nights. There was nothing to do on the weekend to keep that schedule. Yeah. And so I went while I was there. Whatever. I've been a handful of times. I don't like it. Okay. With all that said, I'm in Oklahoma City. Yes. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm in my hotel. I'm like, I want to do something. There's just a strip club right next door. Okay. I'm going to go in there. Okay. I go in there. Gail starts telling me that they've had one other celebrity come in there. And I swear to God, I said, was it And she almost had a heart attack. Wow. Yeah. I just had a hunch. That's and he loves strip clubs. Christ. Yeah. That's. He had a. Borderline addiction, it sounds not like. Not borderline. Okay, yeah, yeah. addiction. <laughs> he yeah, has yeah. an addiction. But anyways, I said it and it was right. And it wow. felt incredible. And she, her head almost spun. Like, how could I guess that out of all That's the crazy. different, quote, celebrities that are on the planet? It's really fun to guess correctly, this happened, this ding, ding, ding. My favorite podcast, Nobody's Listening, right? Also, yeah. shout out to all these amazing arm cherries who are also now listening to that show and writing reviews for them. <laughs> and so it's good. so wonderful because I listen like first thing and I get to hear some of them. And often it's like, I heard about you from Armchair Expert and it Aww. makes me so happy. And one of you is from Japan. Oh, my God. Lives in Japan. I'm embarrassed. I don't know. Kenichiwa? That's Japanese, yeah. I, yeah, I know such men. I know, I know a nothing. little bit of every language, and I'm so ill-prepared yeah. for Japan. I met Nate and Panay yesterday for lunch at Katsuyu. We haven't been in probably three years. Fun. Panay and I are there first. We walk in. We're the only people there. It's 1130. Okay. I say to the whole staff, good morning, how's it going? I, you know, I know I'm supposed to yell something else. We sit down, oh. 
10 minutes later, I hear someone's in there. Kenichiwa! Whoa! Everyone's yelling. Of course, Nate. Nate knows like 20 things oh. in Japanese. <laughs> the place is on fire. Everyone's in the best mood. And I'm like, well, that's textbook Nate talk right there. He knows and he know enough to get everyone party pumped up. Wow. I was so jealous. And now it just came up again. I want to like, I got nothing to say in Japanese. It's okay. You don't have. I, no you more ha gato, Mr. Arigato. See, this is why you don't need to push it because oh, I'm just trying to remember the things I might know. I know, and I think that's a slippery slope. It is. Okay, so anyway, I was very, very excited to hear that. That made me feel so happy. We have a listener in Japan. That's mm. amazing. And mm -hmm. now, now Elizabeth and Andy also have a listener in Japan, which also makes me happy. Anyway, that podcast I was listening to. She's telling a story. Elizabeth is telling a story about she ran into somebody on a hike. Not you. Separate There's a story. different story. Separate now. story. Yes. Very reminiscent. She's, she's, <laughs> she's on a hike with her brother-in-law, Andy's brother. Okay. And they run into someone who Elizabeth was like, I used to know him a long time ago, like 15 years ago at UCB. And then she was like, I don't want to say his name, but he's recognizable. Okay. And Andy's brother had recognized him and whatever. And she was talking about this conversation, basically like he was so nice. And I, of course, I'm like, it's who is it? Ben Schwartz. He was my second guest, but I okay. had a guest before. Okay. It's like not fair for me to say who it is because she specifically <laughs> didn't say who it is. Right. But I texted her and I said, is it? And she said, yes. How did you know that? Wonderful. How wonderful. I felt it's so the best proud of feeling, right? It's a really good feeling. Anyway. It's like getting the daily double in Jeopardy or something. I never got that. I'm bad at Jeopardy. As you'll hear on tomorrow's Flightless Bird. But I'm just bad at game shows right. in general. Or like, you know, I'm bad at Trivia. guessing. Yes. Oh. Remember when I tried to practice? Well, I wanted to learn to practice. You want? I remember <laughs> that you wanted to learn to practice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now that we talked about fun stuff, I have something upsetting to talk about. Uh-oh. Okay, we're shifting gears. Yeah. Okay. So I walked with Callie. This is about the outfit. Back to the outfit? Ish, yeah. Back to the outfit. I walked with Callie, and then I walked here. Okay. And I haven't walked here in a while because it's been so hot. That's right, too hot. But I was on a roll, you know, so I was like, I'm going to keep it going. I'm going to walk to work today. I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking some more. I'm at a, <laughs> I'm at a crosswalk, mm -hmm. and I feel like someone touch across my back oh like with one finger you're yeah, showing one like finger a in the air. a graze with one finger it's like oh someone's here who i know i yeah. turn around and it is definitely a mentally ill unhoused person homeless person individual and i was so freaked out okay male or female male okay big or small medium, medium build okay medium build <laughs> not well not, not well, well. Not and well. then when you looked at him, did he say anything? He just stared. He like, yeah. Okay. Like a, from a horror movie. Yep. Okay. And then I immediately like averted my gaze and like looked for somebody else around. Like, sure. is there anyone else here who could uh, potentially help me? Was this at a crosswalk? Were yes. you waiting for a light to turn green? Yes. Okay. Then he kept walking and it, so it was fine, hmm. but it was really unsettling. Yeah. Gentle caress it, is not, we can't was, be doing that. It was not, I didn't like it. Yeah, I felt not. really violated. Okay. What would you have wanted me to do if I were there? 
buy him lunch? <laughs> Give him some money. <laughs> no, nothing, I guess. Mm, yeah. I mean, like, what could we do? Yeah. There's nothing to do. He was mentally ill. Also, and- you know, I don't ever share of the unhoused. Yeah. Because what can you so do? many of them mentally are beyond any kind of That's right. uh, adjustment to their behavior. <laughs> it would be so pointless. Like It'd be if pointless. you Well, here's the thing. If he continued I would fight one if I was attacked, don't get me wrong. Right. Okay. So I guess that's if he like kept touching, then maybe yeah. I'd want some, spank him. someone to intervene. Yeah, pull down his pants and spank no. him. Oh, okay. No, no. Um, his pants were probably already down. They weren't surprisingly, yeah, yeah. but I'm sure minutes later they were yeah. down. And I was like, I what did I can't tell he... you how many nude adults my children have seen in Los Angeles. <laughs> Six years. Yeah. You're just constantly at a light and you're like, Okay, I see that person's entire butt. I know. If they turn around, am I going to see penis or vagina? Or they got it hiked up a little bit? Oh, nope. It's all out on display. <sighs> I know. And you always see titties. Titties are pulled out from underneath the shirt. They're just on full display. I saw something really disturbing the other day. I walked by a woman who... I, I don't know if she was unhoused, to be fair. Sure. But she was... On meth, like a hundred percent, no question. And she was pregnant. Ooh, yeah, that's a a bummer. So it's like, (sighs) a lot. Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot going on in LA. Yeah. Now that could bring me to probably way too long of a story. Tell me. So we ended up having Tuesday off. Yeah. The kids had Tuesday off. Oh. I said, kids, big surprise. We're going to do something. Not going to tell you what it is. Oh, okay. pop out. Lincoln immediately didn't like the idea of not knowing what we were going to do. Sure. It's not for her. No. She likes to know what's going on, which, by the way, was kind of the point of the exercise. Oh, really? I was hoping that she could have an experience where she didn't pick or plan or was in oh. control and yet had a great time despite it. That was the ostensible goal. Got it. Everyone gets their shoes on. We're walking into the driveway. Uh, already, um, I don't want to go hiking. No, it's not hiking. Don't worry. Okay. Well, what is it? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Walk out of the driveway. Now we've walked past the cars. So now it's clear to them. We're not driving. We're not, Why aren't we driving? Oh. We're, we're walking. Just everyone relax. We're just walking. Okay. Get about halfway down the street. We're now only 400 feet from the house and the show's over. Lincoln's like, I don't want to do this. Where are we going? What is this all about? She's anxious. She's very anxious. And... I make one half-hearted attempt to get her to buy in to the surprise. And then I surrender. I go, okay, do you want to know exactly what we're doing? Yes. I go, okay, I'll tell you. Please don't tell Delta. This is an aside. Uh Uh-huh. We're going to walk to the subway. We're going to get on the subway. We're going to go downtown. We're going to walk around downtown. We're going to see all the fun things downtown. We're going to eat at a favorite restaurant of mine. And then we're going to ride the subway back. Fun. She's not pumped on that. It's too hot to walk there. I don't want to ride a subway. I don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But we get her to go and we get on the subway. Mind you, half of my therapy session just now was about this topic. So I got to try to give you the Reader's Digest. Okay. Get on the subway. It's the subway. Yeah. You know, so there's there's interesting characters. There's yeah. all kinds of different characters. There's also super nice people. We start talking to this nurse who works at Cedar sinai She takes oh. two hour commute oh my God. from like Gardenia or something crazy. But she likes to do because they give her 50 bucks a week if she rides the subway. Oh, wow. She has a car. She oh. digs it. Awesome. Who gives yeah. her 50 bucks? The hospital? Cedar side at night. Yeah, I think instead of driving, if you Oh, it's an incentive. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Okay, cool. She liked it. She listens to podcasts. Not ours. She'd never heard of Yet. ours. Yep. 
again, Lincoln's not loving it. She's already in a bad mood. And, and so here's where all the all my issues come in. Now I get convinced myself, like, well, she's now got a story that this sucks. And no matter what happens, it's going to suck. She's only looking for stuff she doesn't like. Right. And I'm getting frustrated by that, but also trying to just accept that and surrender and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We get down to downtown LA and we get off at Pershing Square. Now, when you exit the subway at Pershing Square, it's all right there. Like, oh, you're in the thick of it, right? Boy. How long is the ride? Sorry, mm -hmm. I'm just curious. No problem. It's like a 15-minute ride. Okay. Get off, and now there's a lot of activity, you know? Yeah. We're immediately in the jewelry district. That's kind of cool. We're looking yeah. at the windows at all the diamond stuff. And now she wants nothing to do with this. I don't want to do this. Okay. I hate this. Blah, blah, blah. So I have an aside with her. Do you want me to have Carly come pick you up? Oh, wow. You can do that. But we're going to continue on this. Yeah. But I can have Carly come pick you up if you want. This is one of these life decisions. If you quit now and you go home, next time we go downtown, we probably aren't going to invite you because mm -hmm. we know you don't like this. So just it's make the decision knowing that it's going to inform how you get included or not into something like interesting. this. Interesting. It's kind of like the conversation you had with me about shrooms. About shrooms. Yeah. You're on this trip. You can like it or not. Yeah. So she soldiers on. They want to stop at a fruit stand. Yeah. Their attitudes improve. We make it to <laughs> Bodega Louie. If you're eating Ooh, there. Oh, I love it. It's the greatest. Mm -hmm. An amazing, an amazing desserts display. Yes. Macaroons, everything. Yeah. It's Marble cute. everywhere. It's so great. Yeah. Sit down, great meal. Well, now the girls are in a great mood. Why? Because we're with all the other rich people again. Oh, <laughs> and wow. It's air conditioned and it's nice. And it's pretty in there. Uh -huh. It's colorful. Yeah, yeah. It's... No one in there has got their titties out. They feel out. safe mm -hmm. in there. Which is his own line of triggering for me. It's like, oh, see, they're already infected. Like, they're super comfortable here because it, it costs a lot of money to be here. Yeah, I'm this is out. tricky. Yeah. I know. So then lunch is concluding. Delicious lunch. And Ling's like, I saw a park by the fruit stand. I want to go play in the park. I go, okay, but that's right next to the subway. I want to take you to LA Live. It's so fun to look around at all this. You can see the two stadiums that we have down there. No, I don't want to go anywhere. Another round of battling. Mm -hmm. What if I look up a playground on the way to LA Live? Whatever. Finally, I surrender. I'm literally saying the surrender prayer in my head. Like, yeah. Uh, God, uh, I can't remember the surrender prayer. <laughs> Grant me the. Grant me surrender, accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom of the difference. So I'm like, is this one of the times I push her, push her? Or do I ruin every, you know, do I, I don't want her to be scared, scared. Yeah. Anywho, we make it back to this playground. They play for a minute. I'm really lamenting like this didn't go at all as I hoped. And I don't really know why I feel so, it's so complicated. My feelings on this. I'm disappointed, mm. I guess, in Lincoln a little bit. I'm questioning myself. Why do you even need to pass this on to her? I think I want her to be someone who can go anywhere in the world mm. and feel confident. Oh, interesting. I want her to feel aware, but comfortable. Yeah. I want the whole world to be open up to her. And how much of that is just my shit? Yeah. And maybe she's a different person. Maybe she don't want the whole world open. It's all complicated, right? I'm really wrestling with all these things. So then we get back on the subway. It's going to be seven minutes before the train arrives. And now I, I clock a guy coming along and he is walking right on the edge of the platform, right? And of course, Lincoln sees him right away too. So now we're both clocking this guy. And I pretty quickly realize, oh, this guy's hustle is he looks into the down onto the tracks and people who've dropped things mm. who of course are not going to jump onto active tracks to get it. That's his hustle. Oh he goes God. and gets shit. So sure enough, now he jumps down on the tracks. Ugh. This is where you and I would differ too. Yeah. So now the guy's down on the on the tracks. He's oh jumped off the platform. I, if I'm being just dead honest, I am now aroused. Yeah. I'm 
entertained. I'm excited. Well, this is new. Where is this going to end? You know, is there going to be a close call? I don't think at, a, if, at all that the guy's going to get hit by a, a subway, mm. but certainly this is an eventful thing. Maybe there'll be a close call. He does a shoelace get stuck. What's going to happen? Oh, my God. Oh, my you know, God. Something novel's happening in front of us. Do you? Th okay. And I have a quick question. Is yeah. it okay if I ask questions? Please. Okay. Why do you think he's not going to get hit by the subway? Because he has seven minutes before the train comes. But like he's crazy enough to do that. He wasn't insane. Let me add that. Well, he wasn't like um He wasn't mentally ill. He didn't no, he, he wasn't like you know when you see people collecting cans, you're like, Oh, I get it. They they're doing that thing, but they're like they got that's their thing. They're making yes. money somehow. They're not panhandling. They it's got like probably a different, not the person who touched me today. Correct. Yeah. So this guy wasn't like this guy was totally rational. I he know. just wasn't afraid to jump on the tracks. I also was thinking, like, there's a lot of electricity down there. Right, I'm there's sure I don't, so many things yeah. that can go wrong. Absolutely. Dude. He's below us now at this point. Oh, my God. Okay. Lincoln doesn't like it at all, mm -hmm. right? She does not like it. I, and I I'm And now I've got to curb my own enthusiasm. And I get, What is know, Kristen? She's always in the, she's in the middle, right? Uh, she, like does in, she notice? Yeah. Okay. And she's like, oh. I mean, she would lived in New York for years. I'm sure she she's just been in a gnarly subway of a trillion times and seen presumably everything so she's probably just desensitized to it yeah but now she's talking lincoln like it's okay he'll be okay everything's gonna be okay oh let me back up i also had the thought how much of my ego right now is involved in this is there any part of me that is frustrated that she doesn't feel incredibly safe just because i'm next to her mm, that's smart. and i even said to her i'm like you know baby yes there's a lot of weirdos down here but you're with me yeah and a grizzly bear could come around the corner no one's hurting you if i'm here so maybe some part of my ego is like, oh, she should feel dead safe because I'm by her side. I see. So I'm just checking that. I'm like, oh, I wonder if any of that's going on. Yeah. Anyways, we get back. We get home. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Things over. It's fine. Now, I'm getting the six and a half hour tattoo. Ruby and her apprentice, Zaya, and I are all talking about trauma. Mm. We've all, they, they had some incredible stories, these two. Yeah. And... um. It made me think of being in downtown L.A. I said, you know, part of me wanted to say to my daughter, like, you don't even know what scary is. Like, you don't even this isn't scary. Part of me wanted to be like, do you know what I had seen by nine? Mm. This isn't even scary. OK. Right. And my frustration. Sure. Like, we're not even in a dangerous situation. Probably more ego. Who knows? Ruby says, you know, you said your dream is that you would like give your kids a childhood that didn't have any of the stuff you had. Yeah. And the result of that is when she sees chaos and danger, it makes her very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't like it. Yeah. And you know what? She's not going to like it when she meets a boy that is chaotic and dangerous. Exactly. You got what you wanted. It's not for her. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. I could have started crying. I was like, oh, my God, that is the truth. Yeah. Like, I've been trying to give them a childhood that they could just be themselves without any defense mechanisms yet i also want them to be very worldly yeah and fearless and i have to recognize that like to get the one thing i really wanted most i might not get the other thing and i might have to be completely at peace with that yeah and maybe it's a part of me saying both goodbye to a version of myself that i don't need anymore and further remembering she's not me yeah <laughs> yeah and looking at the whole picture right like lincoln is not a scared 
girl. Like she does all kinds of things that a lot of kids would be scared to do. Right. She's not um, arrested with fear. Yeah. You don't need to be worried about the fact like, oh, she like she won't do anything. That's she true. won't. She does tons of stuff. And yeah. She so, says want to mix elbows with. Yeah. And like <laughs> who craziest. does, you know, yeah, like yeah, who? Yeah. I mean, some people do, but not me, I like you it. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But her not is actually a it's a healthy thing yes that's i think what ruby yeah. gave me the perspective of of like yeah this is the result of her not having seen a bunch of violence this yes. is you know and i will add because she's a a girl going to turn woman mm-hmm. things are more dangerous to her mm-hmm. just inherently they will be in life than they will be for you. Yes. I mean, certain certain situations. Well, that came up in therapy today. And so, yeah, the outside chance of getting raped. But I, I did, it did cross my mind. I bet if you did a study, though, of a thousand people, 500 like me, 500 like you, mm-hmm. and you had them mix through the shit, I'm going to attract weird shit, too. Like, I'm walking around like I own this space in front of me. And that also invites another guy going like, no, no, you're in my neighborhood. I own this space. I'd probably get killed first because I'm walking around very entitled everywhere I go. Right. And no one like punches a woman out in public to win glory or to show their dominance or their status. They punch out other guys. Fights on the street are between guys. Right. So weirdly in my, I guess my inflated sense of self-assuredness and confidence, I'm probably also likely to get shot or you the are, shit kicked out of yeah, me that's because why, I'm inviting it in a weird way. But that's why it can be scary. To be around me. If you're in that mode, yes. Because mm-hmm. I know, I know you're not invincible. Right, right. And that a gun will kill you. Yes. I know that. Right. And so. I haven't figured that out yet. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I know you're also incredibly capable and incredibly strong and can beat a lot of people up. And, yeah. I, and then well, I also everyone. know there are forces that you can't. Mm-hmm. match so yes i do think that you're in danger too yeah. but i mean I, there is no question i think that small yes. women are much more vulnerable but yeah it just made me think of another thing of like the dude that comes out of a bar drunk and wants to prove his mayor you know his metal you're not on his radar well unless he wants or to the rape gang, me the gangbanger on the corner like you're gonna get cat called for sure you're gonna walk by they're gonna say really bad things to you yeah. i walk by it might be get the fuck out of here that you're not allowed here but it also might there might be a i want m- money and mm-hmm, that's an easy mm-hmm. target because sure, she sure. can't fight back they also i mean some might but they also you're not in danger of being like raped and i totally that's agree. where most of this fear lies yeah, is yeah, yeah. being overpowered and yeah there's yeah. lots of things that talk about surrender you have to just be like i know my place on this planet yes. there's only so much i can do yes and that's a scary that can be scary. Yes. It's like smart that she's looking and being like that person I need to clock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now she's juggling like nine people she's trying to pay attention to. Yeah. And probably not fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Anyway. <sighs> okay. This is for Kevin Bacon. <sighs> K Bake. It was very fun. I liked him a lot. Very stoic man. Yeah. But also some playfulness. Playful. Yeah. But a self-assuredness. Yes. Very. Calmness. Coolness. Cool factor. Cool factor. X factor. X factor. Easter egg. Hmm. Okay. So the sauce on the table for fish and chips. 
Oh, hold on a second. Did it come to Well, I certainly haven't been thinking about it, but it's a different day. Yeah, exactly. And I have a different, maybe, awakenedness. Yeah. There's a malted topping that is on the table in a lot of English places. Hmm. But I'm worried. Does it start with an H? But I'm more. Yeah, there's two things I'm going to say. But I don't know if what I'm about to say is what you're thinking. Okay. Okay. Horseradish. No. Okay. Tartar sauce. Tartar sauce. No. Okay, that's why I was worried it wasn't. Those are the things. I did a lot of looking. I could only find those two. If you type in malted dipping sauce, Rob, fish and chips. It's got the Union Jack on it. This is a brand you're looking for? Yeah. Oh, it's a brand? Oh, God. I think it starts with an H. Fish and chips condiment. Is that what you searched, probably? Malted dipping sauce for fish and chips. I don't remember. It was a while ago, but I did look. Malted vinegar. Put in malted vinegar. Someone's screaming at their dashboard right now. They just slathered their fries in it. And they're like, how could you guys not know about TBD? London Pub. There you go. London Pub malted malt vinegar. Yeah. Well, is that the name of it? No. Uh, It's like a really popular brand of it. You know, I used to go to O'Brien's in Santa Monica to get drunk. Uh huh. They had it on the tables there. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a Heinz malt and then a London pub malt vinegar. Okay. Forget it. Okay. Now we talked for a second about cutting and then does your body release a little bit of its own opiate? I think we have talked about this before, but we'll talk about it again. My research says that... Your body has its own pain management using hormones called endorphins. Endorphins manage physical pain as well as emotional. When someone cuts, endorphins are released and helps cover up the emotional and physical pain. It will make you feel better for a few minutes and then you will crash again. Eventually, your body will build a tolerance to it and you will have to cut deeper and more frequently and more cuts Mm. at one time to get the same effect as before. Diminishing returns. Yes. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. The name of the cute boy in Euphoria. Oh, the singer? Yeah, the singer. His character name is Elliot. Oh, okay. And his real name is Dominic Fike. Oh, we love so him. sexy, right? Yes. Would you love him. to sex him? Um, How old is he? Yeah, let's look up his age Yeah, for you. let's find that out before I answer. You're but. very young. Dominic Fike. I am? Yes. Thank you. I'm not. Like you're 35. You could bang a 20-year-old. There's no shame I'm there. geriatric pregnancy. No, 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 no. I am no, geriatric no, no, no. Oh, pregnancy. Oh, and uh, like a chart? Yeah. Ladies, 26. You could, you oh, could yeah, bang that's a fine. Oh, yes, I would. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Now you're <laughs> born in ni- no, 95. No, that's my brother's age. Well, we're, it's not, you're not going to say your than. brother. We're talking about Ew. Zach. What was his name? Elliot. Dominic. Well, Dominic Fike. Dominic Fike. That's a cool name. It is. Your yeah, loved him. Loved him. Uh, would you want him to sing to you or you'd be nervous he'd look at you while he was singing? Oh, good question. Um, I, I think he'd be good at not looking at me. You think so? Yeah, like when he sang to Rue, he wasn't looking at her. I think he was. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he did to Rue do to me. <laughs> loved it. Wasn't, would it be wrong? How old is Zendaya? She's older, I believe. She's, What's your ruling on me having sex with Zendaya? No. Too young. 26. That's young. 21 years younger than me. That's rough. Okay, so the verdict was you could definitely have sex with Dom. And, and Zendaya is a no-no for me. That's ridiculous. I mean, don't you... Th- I'm going to let you decide that. She's of age, but... I'm at a hotel. I'm single. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I'm at a hotel in London. I'm 
having dinner by myself mm-hmm. at the hotel. I look at the table next to me at Zendaya. We start chatting. We have a really good time. She moves over to my table. Sparks are flying. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. She, this is key. She would love to have sex with me. That's key. That That's hard to believe. Definitely key. That's key and hard to believe. <laughs> but in this scenario, it's very consensual. We're both in town for like two days okay. and we're lonely. And she's like, Do you want to come up to my room? Mm-hmm. And I go up to her room mm-hmm. and we make love. Okay. And then that's that. Okay. I think that's fine. Okay. What do you think? What's your verdict on that one? I think if she wants to, of course. Right. But do you think ethically for me, I, I should go like, well, this person's too young? No, I think it's if you are of age. Yeah. But not 18. I can't. Not 18. 18. No. no. There is a power imbalance that mm-hmm. does have to be taken into account. I mean, other than like the generic power imbalance of you being an older man, she has a ton of power in this Zendaya. country yeah in this world that's right she's a powerful woman i powerful. love her Me too. love her seemingly confident and knows herself but yes she would have to make it very clear to you yeah. like i want to do this yeah and i've never been with a super old man no no <laughs> no can't wait to tell my buddies about this that i fucked i bagged an old timer no that's uh, not what happened okay I, but yeah it's it's nuanced you can't just it say is. 18 26 is because another 26 year old i i might say i don't think that's ethically right i agree but i'm with, with you her but yes. i think for her it's okay I, I do I do too if she is initiates down. It. If she yes. initiates is yes. good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, actually that is good. I don't want you to initiate and then for her to consent. Right. I want her to want it so bad. Yes, that she's willing to see listen to me cough in the morning <laughs> and bend over like where my back hurts every morning. Are you like, gonna all sleep the old people over? stuff? I, I'm just for the sake of a punchline to this story. Okay. Yeah. So she's got to hear me. Well, she's got to like listen to me futzing in my. Um, Are you gonna fart in bed? Well, hold on a second. <laughs> Before I even fart in bed, which is likely, I'm gonna futz around with my in my um dob kit for my intake breathing strips, right? So I can put it on my nose so I don't snore. <laughs> Right. Oh, I'm going to wow. try to be considerate. Okay. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to have this weird thing she's never seen on one of her young lovers, this big <laughs> contraption on my nose. And then I have a handful of tissues, which I do in every hotel room as I take, there's not Kleenex next to the bed. So I bring it from the bathroom over to the bedside table, the yeah. nightstand so that I can blow my nose six or seven times a night. And then in the morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be coughing and clearing my throat. Yeah. And I'm going to get out of bed and it's going to be like slow moving and I'm going to bend down and crack my knees like I do mm-hmm. and then squeeze my knees into my chest to loosen up my lower back. You're going to brush your teeth and you're going to gag. I'm going to gag. <laughs> yeah. The harsh light of daylight Rob is, is making coming. the worst face right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's so disgusted. Make sure you check your DMs after this episode. <laughs> yeah. The harsh light of day is going to hit. Yeah. And she's going to be like, this guy is old. Yeah, I think maybe you just leave after the lovemaking. Okay. That's easiest. Yeah. What if she's in my room? Uh, Yeah, don't kick her out. Can't do that. Maybe you should ask her, do you want me to stay? And it comes with all of this. Right. A CPAP machine. (laughs) I don't have that yet. but. And you can let her decide. Right. Anyway, okay. Um. (laughs) Oh, also, I got a journal in the morning. Like, Don't talk to me for the first 40 (laughs) minutes I'm awake because if I don't journal, I'm going to fucking relapse. And disappear into the <laughs> London streets. That's another thing you need to know. <laughs> also, I got to call my children and be on FaceTime with them for a while. <laughs> no, in this scenario, no, you're single. 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 Yeah. 
But I'm also a little pathetic if I'm 46 and I don't have kids and no, I'm. No, don't say that. Okay. That is not true. If you are 46 and you don't have kids, it doesn't mean you're pathetic. If you are 46 and you don't have kids and you don't have an ex husband, it's not pathetic. I'm not special. It's everyone. I think if I at 46 as a male actor have never been married or been in a long relationship or have kids, it's pretty clear what I'm all about. I, I don't think it has to. I really okay. don't. I think having kids just to have kids. Well, and, or, and the long-term partner thing. We got to add that. Okay. Or having a long-term partner just because it's like something you're supposed to do doesn't mean anything to me. See, for you, it's just a complete apples and oranges. For a guy who's been an actor for 25 years, who's been fucking and is still single at 46, I think there's a level of patheticness to it. I really do. You, who... You're not single because you love running through men. Mm-mm, no. It's not pathetic at all. But I think most 46-year-old actors that have had my life still have never figured it out. It's a little pathetic. But maybe they don't want a long-term partner. That I, That's okay. Having that is a relationship okay. is not for everyone, I don't think. I don't either. Uh, I'm talking percentages here. So I'm thinking like, look, I know a handful of older actors that never ever had a girlfriend. The ones I've known have not been because they love doing the crossword puzzle by themselves in their house and their own space and all that stuff. They're fucking a ton of women. A ton of women think they had a relationship with the person and then they didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, that's all bad. But that feels different to me because is it okay to decide that you don't want to be committed to someone for life but you can still have of course you can still have sex and have fun yeah, and yeah. can you decide that for yourself i think yes i think men can too i mean i definitely think women can yeah but i think men can like i'd rather a man be honest about that for himself right then then be like i guess i'll do this thing i have to do and then not really be happy like well, i, I wouldn't know. want that for anyone yeah so yeah i just think people are different i just think it'd be a little bit of a red flag if you want to date a guy and you were having dinner with him and he was 47 and he had never had a girlfriend for more than a couple months and you want to date him they've shown you the proof they they have 47 years of showing you they're not going to be in a real relationship hmm Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I can't wait because I offend people all the time on here. I've never heard from 47-year-old perpetually single dudes. This could be fun. That are famous. That are famous. <laughs> I guess what I find interesting is you're excluding people who've been divorced. No, I mean, I would include. Oh, yes. I think if you've been divorced, that's good. Right. But that to me is no different. Well, what it tells me is like you were in a long-term relationship and you probably learned some things in the failure of that relationship that hopefully you're going to do differently in the next one. You have some real practice with it. You've cohabitated with somebody. Like if you want to be the first person a 47-year-old dude ever lives with, I just think that's dicey. Mm -hmm. Maybe, yeah. Mm. I don't know. Who knows? Okay, now... It was a New York Times interview. He did do a New York Times interview, even though Kevin he Bacon. forgot. Oh. Um, 2017, he did it, and it's called Kevin Bacon Knows You're Gazing at Him. Mm. Okay. Now, we talk about on accident versus by accident. 
Yeah, he thought it was insane that we say. Yeah. I can't even remember which one's wrong. We say that on happened accident. On, that happened on accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And which makes no sense. It's supposed to be by accident. Correct. It says on accident is a variation found almost exclusively inside the U.S. Mm. So it's common amongst us, but okay. it's not technically correct. Okay. I was looking at how many kids a year are put through some sort of conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. Approximately 700,000 lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender adults have undergone conversion therapy at some point in their lives, including about 350,000 who received treatment as adolescents. It also estimates 20,000 LGBTQ youth currently between the ages of 13 and 17 will receive conversion therapy from a licensed healthcare professional before they reach 18. How many? Uh, 20,000. Currently? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And approximately 57,000 will be subjugated to the controversial practice from a religious or spiritual advisor. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yikes. That's crazy. It feels medieval, and it feels like it stopped happening in the 80s. I know. But it, that's nuts. I know. That's it. That was everything. Yeah. Well, we covered a lot of ground. We did. We had a tiny little debate. just playful. Yeah. Slap boxing, I think we'd call it. Oh. Hmm. We're not calling it a da- dance. We could call it a... Um, I think our dances are more serious than this last thing about the 47-year-old. Do you? Oh, yeah. I didn't even I know what like you were a, talking about. That's not a... That wasn't, that wasn't a even debate. a dance. That was like... um, we're, we're both tapping our foot to the beat. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, foot tapping. Okay. We have something else to do. Armchair Anonymous. Woo! We got to start Armchair Anonymous right now. All right. All right. Love, Love you. you. Okay. I'm just... We're, I'm coming back in real hot because I remembered as soon as we stopped recording that it's HP sauce. That's what I'm thinking about. That's your H- vinegar HP sauce. sauce. HP sauce is a British brown sauce. The main ingredients of which are tomatoes and tamarind extract. It was named after London's House of Parliament oh. after making its first appearance on British dinner tables in the late 19th century. It's the 1800s. Wow. Wow. HP sauce went on to become best-selling brown sauce in UK uh, in 2005 with 73.8% of the retail market. Ooh. So I thought it was dominant. I was surprised it didn't come up. Oh, and it's it's owned by Kraft. It's Kraft oh, Heinz Corporation. Um. Okay, and you were right about H. Good I had the job. H part right. So HP, if you were screaming at your radio, of course, HP. HP. Love you. V.